I love Theorhythm. It's easily among the best spinoffs of a decades-long series that accentuates one of the consistently best things to come from it. However, I miss Theorhythm Dragon Quest, predominantly because it only came out in Japan. Reportedly, the final bar line team wants to branch out beyond Final Fantasy and Square Enix properties. Two sore thumbs way up. Yes, please. This is the BMS FMS OMG LOL update. Now it's time for your hosts, Rob Roberts, Jamie Summers, and Loki to tell you more about this and the rest of the week's gaming news. Starting right now on the show, where every gamer has a voice. Hello, my friends out there on the internet. Welcome back to another week of the show where every gamer has a voice. It is Orange Lounge Radio. We are live once again with episode number 949 of our show for tonight, February 19th, 2023. My name is Rob Roberts, and I'm here with you every week with my pals to talk about the latest and greatest in video gaming and get your input as we tape live because we want to hear your thoughts too. Uh, But in the meantime, you get my thoughts and you get the thoughts of Dark Sakura or Jamie Summers. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I feel better than I sound. I was gonna, I was gonna kind of get a check in because I know you know you were out two weeks ago. You were like still recovering last week, so uh, mostly on the mend at this point. You you feel better than you sound? Yeah, I mean my my throat's still pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that my bout with COVID kind of undid some of the the good mm-hmm. that had gone from my my weeks off from work. Um, so I emailed my doctor cause I'm pretty sure I have a sinus infection now. Oh gosh. Well, you know, I get them like at the drop of a hat. So it's yeah. not like, it's just the cough afterward. I've already taken, um, I always forget like their, their brand name, like Tessalon pearls or something. It sounds like something from a sci-fi show. I know it is benzonatate. Mm. It's really good cough suppressant. <laughs> I mean, well, but for, I have to get a prescription, and then there's this crap. Well, for gosh sakes, be healed. Lidocaine. Yeah, it's <laughs> Dennis numbing solution there. It's not delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's but it feels really good when you've like gotten past the initial nastiness, especially if you drink something cold with it. <laughs> it's like extra numb. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, hopefully the uh, upside to being sick is that you've had a lot of time to play games, but we'll check in in just a little bit. Uh, In the meantime, let's say hello as well to Techmaster Loki. Hi, Loki. Hey, how's it going? I am doing good. Um, How's your week been? It's been all right. Yeah. Busy. Busy, busy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we do tape live, of course, uh, at twitch.tv slash VOG network, the voice of geeks network every Sunday night at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific, right after the Bobby Black Wolf show. Uh, and if you care to join us live, uh, you can see our lovely faces as we're chatting, doing this show. And sometimes there's visual flair going on. For example, Loki likes to have, you know, different video games that are playing behind him while he's chatting. And tonight I, I, it looks like some version of theme park or is that, is that the new, the newer one? Roller That's coaster. Planet coaster. Planet coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's that one. I'm sorry, but every time I see one of those theme park games, I always think of that video I saw somewhere of Roller Coaster Tycoon or something where like the the Rihanna song is playing and it's all happy. And then the coaster goes off the rails and everybody dies and it turns to Adele. And I don't know why it's the funniest fucking video, but it is. So anyway. 
I, it's a lot funnier than I just described it. I promise. Look it up on YouTube. I don't even know what it's called, but Tiger Claw will still find it, I'm sure. So, <laughs> but why Planet Coaster? Is that a game that you've been into lately, or you just been thinking about? No, I just I saw a video earlier this week of one of the streamers I watch, uh, Doug Doug, and he did a thing where he was trying to um, survive in Planet Coaster for one hour. But every five minutes, a random like he had this giant wheel they'd spin. There'd be a random kind of handicap in the game. Mm-hmm. So like whether you had to like spend half your money on benches or like move the coaster to the farthest end of the park and like ridiculous stuff like that. And so it was, it was just like that video. It was pretty funny. So it reminded me of that. And I was like, you know, I should probably play that game since I have it and I have not played it, but um, I probably should play it because it looks fun. Uh, apparently SSJ 100 Matt won the, uh, YouTube fight there. Cause there it is. Apparently that's it. I can't bring it up because I don't want to get the station DMCA would with the copyright music, but I'm just assuming it's right. Uh, so <laughs> good job, Matt. Uh, awesome. I've All right. S- I've seen that video without the music before. <laughs> the music makes it that much better. It really does. All right. <laughs> Sorry to the podcast listeners. Uh, ask on discord. We'll post the link in our discord over at vognetwork.com slash discord, uh, where you can join and chat with us throughout the week, uh, or throughout the next two weeks. Um, I know I've been saying this, you know, broken record the last month, but for those, uh, that, you know, maybe don't check in every week and what have you, um, I will not be here next week. Um, Alan and I are going on a well-deserved vacation. I'm just going to say it. Uh, <laughs> we earned it and we're going on vacation. And, uh, we did this in 2020, Right in the before times, we went on the Star Trek cruise. Uh, So we are going again this year. We skipped. They actually did a cruise last year, but between the home buying and we still weren't quite comfortable with where COVID was at uh, in the world um, at that point. So we didn't go last year. Uh, But this year, it's kind of one of those, well... That thing can get me anywhere, so I'm I'm just saying screw it and going on the cruise, and I think we'll have a good time. So uh, excited about that. So... Uh, but I won't be here, so I'm not here to push buttons. So I, are you streaming next week, Dark Soccer? Or are you going to, like, just take a week off yourself? Yeah. Awesome. So then check out Dark Soccer. No, soon. no, I have, a, I have a week to make up for. <laughs> oh, so come hell or high water, you know, I'll, I'll hire a voiceover artist if I have to have someone <laughs> speak for me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to start at our, at, at our time, too. You know, with the the modern you know technology that is AI generated voices, you could actually just copy your voice with about a minute worth of oh, clips. No. Oh I've, no! Oh I've I've played with that and it's fun. You, you could do it. It sounds weird to myself, but like it's it's I'd say it's like eighty percent convincing. Link me the thing because I actually what I want to do is use that for Midna in my videos. Get- yeah, that could be. Fun. Uh, get that individual with their absolute chaotic energy that plays Dead by Daylight Swift with you on stream and get them to just narrate your stream. Shayla? Yeah. <laughs> Shayla would totally do it. <laughs> exactly. Just, just have Shayla narrate but honestly, your stream. But honestly, when Shayla's in there, I don't really have to talk because all <laughs> through the background you hear, I love you. I love you. Yeah, exactly. Yay, Vipadamori. Yay, RPG. <laughs> I love I, Shayla. I, I'm gonna go boop the killer. I'm gonna go boop the killer. Love me, love me, love me. It's really well, funny. Did I tell? Did I tell you about the trickster that we totally confused no. the other uh, last week? Here we go. I've derailed with Dead by Daylight talk. All right, re- make it no, quick. We- We've got news to get into. Okay, it's, it's derailed quick. by daylight. Like, derailed by daylight. But like, <laughs> but like, 
I was I was just gonna play straight. We were in the airy, and I was working on where the no, new gen no, is located. No, no, never play straight. Always play gay. Rob. <laughs> okay, I was going to play standard. I was going to play a normal game. Got her. And next thing I know, here comes Shayla being chased by the trickster, and then like doing the little you know bop thing in in front of him, and then pointing. And I was like, oh, hell. So I just came over and did the same thing, too. And he just, like, followed us around for half the match before he decided to start playing seriously. <laughs> and then afterwards, he comes in my chat and it's like, I'm so confused. <laughs> and so we we explained that, that Shayla is the killer whisperer. And and I, I said, yeah, we killer mains know our own. I'm a dirty pig main. All right. All right. So... It was pretty funny, though. Derailed by Daylight. Just another uh, segment here on Orange Launch Radio. I love that name. Uh, Put it on the wiki. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we need to... Can somebody arrange that on the wiki? A Derailed by Daylight page? All right. So when it was Mass Effect, was it Mass Derailment? Uh, Something like that. I think it was Ass Effect at some point. (laughs) Ass Effect. (laughs) All right. Moving on, let's talk about other video games that are in the news this week. And uh, Metroid Prime, the remaster, is in the news. Um, But this particular reason, maybe not a great one. But let's talk about maybe the standard this game is uh, uh, calling attention to. I don't think this is the first game where this has happened, but let's talk about it. Uh, Loki, you want to get into this for us? It's not the first game that's happened. Um, I'm not sure why we can't just include, you know, credits for the people that make games. But... Uh, apparently, uh, Metroid Prime Remaster does not include the full original game credits. Uh, so that everybody that worked on the original game is not credited in it. All you get instead is a single card that says, based on the work of Metroid Prime, the original Nintendo GameCube and Wii version development staff. Like, it doesn't cost anything to put credits in the game unless they have like some sort of contract. Well, if your name appears in this, then you get money somehow or something like that, which I mean, they probably should be owed some money at the very least, but I don't understand why it would be so hard to put you know, credits for somebody that worked on the game originally. Like that's what they do when they adapt things and stuff like that. Um, I've seen other remasters that they've put the credits in there, but this isn't like the first time that they've done this. Um, I remember, I'm trying to remember which game it was now, but I know we had something like that where it was, you know, the original creator of it wasn't credited before. It wasn't that long ago either, but I don't know. It is kind of annoying. Let me ask a difficult question, though. If this individual who tweeted about it, who I'm assuming was one of the individuals who worked on the uh, original game, if this person had it called call hadn't called it out, would anyone have noticed? Like, how many people are actually watching video game credits? And please don't say yes just because you want to be different out there. Like, I I just think there's a lot of people, and I'm not I, I you know. Please don't misunderstand me. I do think, you know, the people that did work on the game deserve to be acknowledged and so forth. I'm just kind of curious if anyone would have really noticed if it hadn't been pointed out on social media, because I don't think a lot of people watch video game credits or they might play a mini game during the credits or something like that. And I understand like the I understand the point, like if this is a game that's completely rebuilt from the ground up and using some of the assets and, and like it even kind of rebuilt the assets, too. So, like, I get it, like, it's weird, 
you know, crediting the original team when you've basically taken none of their work and just redid it. But I mean, there's still story and other elements and stuff like that. I still think that they should be credited, like at the very least, you know, original game, um, you know, something brief, like, you know, just listing the team members or something like that. You don't have to go into detail like this person did, like, you know, artwork in the original games, like when that's not necessarily represented in the full game. Um, I, I still think it is kind of a little bit of like kind of a, I don't know, but it's not that, nice. Like, it's not nice, but to that, like, I don't think it's necessarily the team that did the remaster's job to put that information in there. Um, also, they may have not had that information to begin with. Like, they may not know who worked on the original game. Could and you just so copy paste like, it what? from the old credits? <laughs> Well, right, but like, are you gonna watch everything and you know transcribe everything? Like, that's not I mean, something. Yeah, I mean, you could, but that should be provided by Nintendo. Nintendo should say, "Hey, you know, we want to make sure," or like they could have reached out and said, "Hey, we want to put the, you know, we want to credit the people that originally worked on this game. Can we get a list of the you know credits from the previous game?" I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but yeah, I or think it least- is kind. Of- get their name in there even if they lower the font size or do it like what i mean but this is what credits turn into sometimes is i think about when they show a movie on tv and then like instead of letting the credits roll they reduce the credits to like a quarter of the size of the screen while they're showing the preview for the next movie and then this credits are just flying by like they turn up the credits like 10 speed which is or they flash along the bottom like there's different ways that they do it and i think that's i think that's for union related reasons and kind of the point i wanted to get to i think those credits have to be shown for like union related reasons the tv station just can't cut them out uh as part of the rights for airing the movie i wonder if video game industry is headed for unionization as we've talked about many you know past months on this show I wonder if we shouldn't see something in there about video game credits in these types of cases and when they should be kept in the game. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see what comes of that, whether it ends up being credits on fast forward or what. I mean, this has always been an issue in the industry. I mean, do we do we not remember adventure or was it adventure? Yeah, no, um, or the Atari of that era was infamous yeah. for not crediting their designers, which is why a, a lot of the talented folks went over to Activision, where you could play David Crane's Pitfall. Like his name was right there in the you know title of the game. Yeah, that was you know it's interesting to think about Activision today and all of their problems, but actually in the eighties. Activision was kind of seen as the one that was more progressive when it came to the rights of the game makers by crediting them in the games and they lured talent that way. It was a huge deal. And then, yes, one of the earliest Easter eggs in adventure, like you brought up the uh, initials of the game's creators that was, that was put in there as kind of an FU to the whole um, lack of credits thing. So we can't do that because they would be, if they caught wind of anything like that, they'd be like, okay, we're going to patch that out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, and re- but also remember back in those days, one person often made those entire games. You know, E.T. Yars Revenge were both made by one person. It was actually the same person, infamously the best and the worst twenty six hundred game. Although I actually don't think E.T. is the worst twenty six hundred game because there's a good game in there somewhere. Whereas there's other games on the Atari twenty six hundred where there is no good game in there whatsoever. <laughs> but I digress. Um. 
going in the chat over twitch.tv slash VOG network. Some folks a- answering uh, the question about, do you actually look at the chat? Um, Fifth Dream in chat says, I know people who named Pokemon who haven't been in the credits since then. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Tuya says, I heard this was also an issue with the Pac-Man World remaster. Ah. Uh, Fifth Dream says, I let them roll. I don't read every credit. Bobby Blackwolf says, depends on how good the music is that's playing behind the credits or if my name is in the credits as a backer. I think we all enjoy a good little mini game in the credits, like uh, Smash Brothers comes to mind. I think there's quite a few shooter games out there, too, that have like shooting mini games in the credits and things like that. Didn't Katamari Damacy have like a roll up the credits thing? Or am I making that up? Yeah. Okay. No, no, it did. Yeah. So there's that. Mm. Um, Bobby Blackwolf says, if you worked on the game three years ago and left the company, they don't put your name in the credit. To be fair, some modern games only credit the people who are with the company when the game is released. Interesting perspective. Uh, and then some other folks bringing up other games that have like credit mini games that help you to uh, get paid attention. Uh, SG100 Matt says, credits are a voluntary experience for the most part in gaming. I kind of feel why not just include them if the credits are too long, folks can skip them or not just watch them. Just seems odd. Well, I always, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, Marvel movies... <laughs> are infamous for their post-credit scenes and their mid-credit scenes and all of this. And why do they do that? I think in part it's to get people to stay through the credits because pretty much any time you go to see a movie, people get up and leave during the credits. Although now Marvel has conditioned us all to be afraid to do that. I remember literally sitting there during Megan and I was like, do we, do we need to sit here in case there's something after the credits? And we quickly Googled Megan after credits and we saw, okay, no, there's no after credit scene. We can go. But it's just it's interesting how that but then you think think back to the early movies, the early days of movies. Um, credits used to be in the beginning of the movie. Uh, most relevant example I can think of would be like Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, I've seen that movie a lot. And think about that whole opening song with the lips. It's the opening credits. Now, it's not an exhaustive list of credits as they often weren't in that day, but you get a lot of big credits at the top. So this is kind of interesting so uh bobby blackwell says most of the people in the ant-man screening i was at last night left after the midpoint well that's on them uh <laughs> i mean that's fine you really only miss a preview of loki season two anyway so yeah. it's no big deal uh let's see fit dream says i never left because i remember some end credit scenes as early as the 80s uh dark to see says good we didn't miss anything that must be a reference to megan that's really funny so um so, yeah, I don't know. The, the credit issue is interesting, but I think, oh, yeah, Bobby Blackwell bringing up an 80s movie that had that Ferris Bueller asking, why are you still here? Remember that after the credits? Go home. Uh, yeah, it's good, good stuff. But it, I think this is going to be a very interesting issue, especially as we start looking at like the furthering of unions in games, like how this credit issue. And even to Bobby's point, what happens to those folks that they worked on the game, but they left the company? How do they get credited? I think there's going to be some interesting stuff to come with this. But also what I would say to the developers out there is put mini games in your credits and put uh, post-credit scenes in there. So if you if you really want people to watch them. But also some credit scenes are really really long like final fantasy 14's credits are a lot (laughs) especially i would i would actually encourage you not to watch the realm reborn credits because i believe they credited all of the 1.0 players that met certain criteria are like actually in the credits of realm reborn or the early versions of it i think my favorite um credits that they've had was the lego movie 2 
they made a song about the credits. <laughs> that now that's clever. I like that. And that was funny. It was great. Mm-hmm. I like the little mid credit and post credit sequences. I think that's enough to get people to stick around. And like every every RPG at this point has a lot of those. So you know. It's good. Uh, Fifth Dream points out the Weird Al movie has a good end credit song. All right, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good stuff out there. But as far as this game is concerned, it's it's really a shame what happened to the folks. But um, also, I would kind of ask like how many people are actually watching these credits. I think we need to maybe have an online resource as well. Uh, make sure that these folks are credited on the video game version of the internet movie database and that sort of thing, you know, make sure that they have the credits so that when people are looking up their names to see what they worked on for industry stuff, you can kind of see like what they, what they've done uh, fully, I think is a good thing to have out there too. Cause that's really what credits are for, right? If your game wins an award, you want to be able to tout that award. So, all right. Uh, let's move on and talk about our gaming weeks, whether we rolled credits or not, uh, the types of video games that we have been playing this week. So Dark Sakura, we'll start with you. How was your gaming week? Um, I played Star Ocean last night on my stream and, um, I had to do a lot of backtracking, but, um, I'm really having a good time with it. The game is absolutely gorgeous and the sprites are huge and, it's got all the extra audio in it. It's such a good game. And then um, I, uh, what else did I do? Um, I played, uh, of course, Dead by Daylight. But I only played like one night because, um, funny, okay, so I've been in training at work uh, to get myself back into the, you know, the general scheme of things. And I had to be up at 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. like that to be at work by 7. And, um, well, the night before that, because you remember I was just getting over COVID, um, I went to bed that Monday at like 2 a.m. or technically Tuesday morning and woke up at 5 p.m. at the time I normally stream. Oh, my. Needless to say, I didn't play Dead by Daylight that night and I didn't stream. So, uh, I'm, uh... I am going, uh, I'm also, uh, I did play a little Among Us. I love that game. It's pretty fun. Um, I'm playing my Wordscapes. I'm super addicted, and I've honestly gotten to where I can beat some of the harder levels in, like, 15 seconds. Because I'm a word nerd. Um... And then we watched uh, a couple of documentaries. One was on the entire history of Samus Aran. And the other one was on the history of the Star Fox series. Hmm. Which actually makes me really disappointed that Star Fox Zero wasn't a better game. Because hmm. it was beautiful. That's it. Oh, whoa, whoa, no, no. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> okay. We have, we have the Beatlemania pinball table by Stern. Oh, yeah. Didn't you mention last week you traded for it? I, I, We did, and I actually finally played it. Uh-huh. And it goes sometimes from being a complete proper gentleman to being a right arsehole. <laughs> Love it. So. Uh, by the way, a fashion comment from our chat over twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Garth the Wolf in chat saying, Jamie, I love that your hair matches your glasses. And for the I, for those on the podcast feed, they do. And the lipstick, I think, matches too. The darker color of the glasses. No, the a lipstick bit. is more purpley. the The color is called. Um, hold on, I have it with me. Orcus mm. by ColourPop. And for those looking, it is very dark. Uh, Bobby wants to know what you traded for Beatlemania. 
Well, it was a temporary trade. We traded uh, Indianapolis. Mm. Um, so no, we traded racing for for classic early rock. But I love that table so much. Those Beatles. Your local community that like Dan participates in, they trade tables for like the sake of just having different stuff like in and out trade of the house. Cartridges. Yeah, like, like yeah, trading Nintendo cartridges. Exactly. That. They, it's not always a value based trade necessarily. Like. You just kind of all know each other and you you know you're all good for it basically yeah and i mean it's it's not like we haven't done perma trades before for equal value mm -hmm. you know it's just that you know everybody in the community loves their tables and we know everybody else loves their tables and so like there's even like trade work that goes on from time to time too but um but at this point you know we the people that we will trade with know that we will take care of their babies. Yeah. And it's a good way to experience a table you might not have otherwise experienced. Yeah. Good call. All right. I can't wait till we get Weird Al. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on and talk to Loki about his gaming week. How was your gaming week, Loki? Um, it was just Minecraft again. I mean, as as is tradition. Uh, I was mostly playing my modded <laughs> version, so the Monsters and Mechanics stuff. I'm um, just trying to set up my next build, so I finished designing it finally this week, and I've been gathering materials and, and figuring out different uh, mod conflicts because we had a, a problem with a mod that I had added in where now I couldn't climb ladders for some reason. And it's a really weird mod to cause that problem, but it did. So I figured it out and took it out. But um, yeah, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, been having some fun with it. I'm still disappointed that it's taken me so long to get an episode out under that series right now. And then I know going into like the actual SMP stuff for Channel 64, um, that's going to take a while too because what I need to design next is it. I think it's. I think I'm doing too much is what i think i'm doing because i look at like um for example uh, hermitcraft and like mumbo jumbo is the guy that just came back off of like an eight month um hiatus and he like literally worked on like a teeny 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 tiny part of his base and then he didn't even finish it he like continued working on it from like the previous episode and like here i look at the stuff i'm building and it's like like a whole mega base size, mm. like build every episode. And I think it's too much. Mm. <laughs> I think I'm doing too much. So it takes like four times as long, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, it's just, I want it to be more frequent, but I don't know how to divide it up enough to where I can be able to do that on a regular basis. So that's going to be something for next season to figure out and stuff. But we got more news today about like, or not this today but this week about the new minecraft version so they added like uh ch cherry blossom forest type thing as like a new biome and stuff so that's kind of neat um i don't know but yeah my modded series liking it it's been a lot of fun all right uh my gaming week so um early on it was a lot of the similar stuff i always talk about on the show like final fantasy 14 i've been trying to get the trophies on the playstation 5 version because uh 14 on the playstation 5 has separate trophies from the uh, playstation 4 and playstation 3 loads so that's been kind of fun to go through that i played a little bit of um crash bandicoot the uh, trilogy i played a little bit of the first game because that was one of the games 
I just loaded onto my PlayStation 5 because I was like, I picked that up in PlayStation Plus at some point and just never really played it. So I played a little bit of that. Uh, and then uh, Dead by Daylight, just a little bit, not a lot. Uh, saw all the latest info about the new killer and, you know, it looks, I mean, it looks all right. I, I don't know how well balanced oh God, that killer is going to be. The new survivors are more interesting than the new killer, quite frankly. Um, the killer is really cool, well, but her Mori is crap. The killer is a well-designed character. I'm just not sure I'm into them as a killer, but we'll see. I mean, they, they also tend to change things before the actual release, so we'll see. I think she'll get a more interesting Mori, but I really do like the um, the drone mechanic. Oh, I will say this about that new killer, as long as we're going to derail by daylight. Um, <laughs> a lot of people were compared. Actually, I really, whoever said, I'm sorry, some streamer said their mechanics really remind them of the Predator. And I was like, ooh, that's a really interesting call out because Predator DLC has been rumored for a long time. Um, Polyester did a video mm. on if she was supposed to be Predator or not. Interesting. And then I look at her and face and a lot of people say, oh, she's like Terminator. She's like a T2 robot type of thing. And I could maybe see that type thing too. But you know what she really looks like to me? Femme Kano. She's she's Femme Kano. She's not – she's Kana. <laughs> <laughs> that's Kana. She's was that, that is that was, is what she is to me. She's Kana with the lasers and everything. That's her, and that's why her Mori should be a laser burn like Kano's thing or, or, or the heart thing or something. She's wearing a mask and it's not built into her. I know like all of her stuff is add on. I know, but it but, still um, reminds me of that. But I was in a polyester stream when the PTB went live. Mm -hmm. You know, just hanging out and chatting and watching the new killer, and there was a person who's like. Yeah, she's she's like X twenty three, who is now Wolverine for the record. There's mm -hmm. two Wolverines. Um, meets uh, meets uh, something else, you know. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I mean, they were just saying that she was way too derivative. But I went and I actually ripped the model, um, out of uh the game files. Mm -hmm. I actually went and downloaded all of the game models so mm -hmm. that I would have this PTB's worth of models. And when I put her together, um, there's a lot of really good detail on her her weapon that makes it look like something that she did build herself. And I think that the best description of her is anti-Batman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's very anti-Batman. But anyway. She's like Batman, but a serial killer. Um, so anyway, and Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, all, uh, Brazilian pack basically. Cause the survivors are a Brazilian, uh, brother and sister too. So, you know, fun to have different countries represented and all that. Um, so anyway, um, the bulk of my gaming week is they're easily calling out in the chat right now over twitch.tv slash VOG network. I've been playing the shit out of Theatrhythm final bar line because that released, uh, the middle of this week, uh, for PlayStation four and switch. And I did pick it up on PlayStation five backwards compatible with PlayStation four, obviously. Um, so I've been playing a bit of that. I had a little trouble getting it up and running. Uh, something I found out was that the 3.0 dashboard beta for the PlayStation 5, which um, I guess they were giving away codes that you could give to your friends. So, you know, Shane hooked me up with a code and I installed that. We actually, the beta dashboard is nice because we were using Discord on the PlayStation as I was uh, getting uh, my trophies unlocked in Final Fantasy 14 and all that. So there, there are good things about that beta. But the bad thing is it prevented Theatrhythm from unlocking on time. 
And it took me a little bit to figure that out. And I was doing this all live. And I'd promised, oh, we're going to go in theater them right as it launches. We're going to be live. And of course, I get held up for 30 minutes trying to diagnose why it's not running. Finally, we figure out it's the beta. So anyway, I hope they fix that for future releases because that was annoying to say the least. But once I got it, and that that's not a Square Enix problem. That's a Sony beta problem. And in complete fairness, because somebody actually asked in my chat when that happened, like, oh, are you going to, you know, tweet at Sony and, you know, complain at him for what's going on? And I'm like, like, honestly, this is why when you sign up for a beta, they warn you many times the beta may be unstable. You're in a beta for a reason to find problems like what I found the other night. So there's really nobody to complain to. Uh, I, I, I fucked around and I found out, so to speak, except, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong, but that is just, there are pitfalls to doing betas and that is one of them. So there's nobody to complain to. Luckily, it's very easy to revert. So I actually give Sony credit for that. It was very easy to revert and be able to get in the game right away for that. So I've been playing the shit out of theater them. Every second of the game I've played, I've streamed. So I played like three hours on Wednesday night, three hours on Thursday night, four hours last night. I, I don't usually stream for more than four hours, but last night was an exception. There's a definite lack of Angela Aki. I know you're so pressed about that, but there's there's a lot of strange omissions. Considering that there are over 500 songs when you count all the DLC and stuff, it does make the omission stand out that much more, but I understand that there are licensing issues and things like that for, you know, for you, you're missing that song. For me, I was disappointed. They don't have any Endwalker stuff from Final Fantasy 14. Cause like close in the distance is one of the most amazing songs ever written for a video game. And the fact that that's not in there is tragic, but maybe it'll be DLC later. Who knows? The, the old Dom music, like the, the levels. I, that's like my favorite music in 14. I don't know if old old does in there. I'd, I'd have to look uh, at the list. So, but they have like that is, yeah. That's my favorite music in the entire game so far. There's a there's a lot of songs that are missing, but there are a lot of songs that are in it. Uh, and I have to say, overall, I, I don't want to dwell on these missing songs because honestly, the game's incredible. Um, those those omissions aside, like you know, things that are my jam: Final Fantasy games, music games, retro games. This really hits on all those points. And obviously this is a formula that started 10 years ago. I'm thrilled that I can play it on a non-portable console now, uh, being that it's on PlayStation. Not that I hate portable gaming. I just tend to play living room style games more often. And so I'm thrilled that that's there. The only thing that gets a little bit wonky versus the DS are the green control paths. They're really simplified since there's no stylus to trace with. It's just kind of up and down, but the arcade version wasn't that much different. All things considered. I mean, it did have sensitivity, but you know, it's, it's, it's not too much of a departure from what it was in the arcade. And I think that's kind of what they were doing with this is they were really trying to put all the music that they'd done over the years, not just for the DS versions, but for the arcade version. Cause a lot of those 14 songs were in the arcade version and they've kind of made like a definitive edition of this game because the arcade version no longer has the online access. So this is kind of a way for fans of the arcade version as well as the DS version to have one last hurrah. They are saying it's the last one, but we'll see. I mean, it seems like, you know, again, it might just be bias of the people around me or the people I follow on social media. I, I know way more people that spent $100 on the digital deluxe edition for Theatrhythm than actually bought Forspoken. And I'm sorry to be shady because I, I haven't played 
at all for Spoken. I don't know if it's a good game or a bad game, but I'm just saying for all the marketing and all the push that Square Enix put into that game, I feel like this other little game sitting over here is just selling not just copies, but collector's edition copies, basically, essentially. So, uh, and uh, SGO100 Matt in chat says, it would be cool if they added some Enix deep cuts. Like, it would be cool to hear some Act Razor in there. Some of the songs they have coming for Digital Deluxe are great. Uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross will be represented in a pack. Near Automata, that alone, the fact that I'm going to get to play Way to the World is amazing. Uh, and uh, Li- uh, Live Alive is going to be pretty soon. I think it's the next one coming. The first DLC pack was like two songs from Final Fantasy Adventure and then Romancing Saga had some songs. Uh, I know Secret of Mana is uh, on the deck at some point too, but not Secret of Evermore, frown, because, you know, some are complicated. It's it's weird because there are some Final Fantasy games that are represented that you literally can't play anymore. Final Fantasy Mobius, Final Fantasy Record Keeper, those mobile games that are no longer supported. This is pretty much all that exists of them now, which is interesting. Um, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest has eight songs represented, which is great because the soundtrack was the best part of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, quite honestly. <laughs> so uh, it's it's astounding that that's there. That's great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really fun to play along with the songs. There's a whole little meta game going on. You have characters that you level as you play songs, and then you use those characters to complete quests. You see this whole little background thing going on, and it looks like it's just idle background animation at first until you realize that, no, this game is actually going based on the success of your notes and the things that you've equipped to your characters that like, oh, maybe cloud will do a braver attack after you hit 50 critical notes in a row. Like, and you have to build this to be able to finish quests in the game. So there's there's definitely it wouldn't be a Final Fantasy game if there wasn't some type of grind to go with it. Uh, so they've definitely built that into the game. Apparently, not only can you level the 99, but then you can get stars after level 99. So you literally have tons and tons of stuff to um, uh, grind in that game. Uh, Garth the Wolf, I know you love Nier. What is the song with the robots uh, and the boss where it goes, this cannot continue, this cannot continue. And then it starts to get all like dancey as you're fighting the boss. That song fucks. And I hope that is in the uh, Theatrhythm Near DLC pack. Because that was probably my favorite song that was in the... Uh, just just the way it, it turned the computer. Like as you're playing the game, the way it turned like what was happening into the game into the music was like incredible. So Birth of a Wish. That's right. Because I know I've looked that up on YouTube before. Birth of a Wish. I hope that song's in there. So. Yeah, it's an alter- there Because uh, the Japanese version does the same thing, although they're saying a phrase in Japanese instead. But it does, it's the same uh, trick. So it's very cool. Anyway. All right. So I don't, I don't know what else to say about theater them. Like if you like music games, if you like final fantasy games, you've probably already bought the hundred dollar edition. I, you don't need to hear any more from me, but then again, I will, I will say since I've been streaming the game so much, I have actually had two people tell me I bought this game from watching you play the stream. Thanks for uh, showing me what this game is all about to which I say influencer. (laughs) Where's my code next time square. Where's my code. Oh, maybe two and a half. SSJ 100 Matt says, maybe I'll get this sometime down the road. I will say there is a multiplayer. Uh, I only played it a little bit, but it's kind of, it's kind of neat. 
Um, I like that, you know, they put, I don't like all the little, like, oh, the fat chocobos hide the lane or extra squares and triangles get in there. Or, you know, I don't like all those silly little moves, but you can actually play multiplayer with those off. So I do like how highly customizable it is. Actually on the customizable note, I'll let this be my final thought on theater them and then we'll move on. On the customizable note, I do love, like, there's four levels of difficulty, right? Basic, and then expert is actually the medium difficulty. Ultimate, and then, like, you're sick. I don't know what the last level is called, but to me, it's you're sick. Those are, like, the 17-level songs. You can actually play the songs on your sick mode in simple mode. And how does that work? It takes out all of the yellow flicks, because there's parts of the song where you have to flick um, the little controller in the direction. And the whole it takes all of those out. So you're only hitting button presses. So for some people, that might be easier than trying to do... Oh, thank you. Supreme is what it's called. Not the year sick mode. Um, but yeah, that's cool. The, uh, but the only downside to that whole thing is that um, uh, it is not cross-platform. So... The Switch version and the PlayStation version are on islands. You can't even trade cards, profile cards, with people on the other platform, which is a bummer. But that's my one little, I wish they did this different, but I also kind of get it. Ah, uh, boo. Bobby Blackwolf says, Birth of a Wish is not in the near pack. Damn it. This song is so good. All right. So, you know, there... Even though they say it's the final one, look, we keep naming songs where it's like, even though 500 songs are represented. I mean, if you, if you like battle on the big bridge from final fantasy five, let me tell you the Gilgamesh song is remixed like six different times in this game. You will not be disappointed by the uh, amount of Greg in this game, but uh, there, there are still some omissions. So if, if they ever wanted to do a theatrhythm encore or whatever the fuck they want to call it, there's still some songs they could put in it. And I think the real gag would be put Kingdom Hearts in it because Melody of Memories was not it. Put Kingdom Hearts in theater them, you cowards. Or you know what? Give us fucking Dragon Quest. Bring the Dragon Quest game out locally. Who can Look, I know you didn't do it here because you haven't released Dragon Quest 10 here and you want to pretend we don't know that Dragon Quest 10 is a game even though you've literally released 9 and 11. Like Square, we know. We know. And... Square Enix also put out an offline version of Dragon Quest X in Japan. Why they have not brought that over here still, I don't know. But the Dragon Quest game would be great. And lots of other stuff. I don't know. Anyway. Garth the Wolf in chat says, The nail in the coffin for the Kingdom Hearts rhythm game is no Utada songs were in it. I'm going to tell you what the nail in that coffin game was, was allowing Nomura or whoever's idea it was to say, well, but this is Kingdom Hearts. We need to change the theatrhythm formula. Bad move. Because that game is not it. But if they want to go back and, you know what, put in the theatrhythm stuff. <laughs> SG100 Matt says, uh, as final as Beatmania, the final. That theatrhythm, 2DX. Make it happen. Well, we have a story later on in the show where maybe we will see Theatrhythm in another form, but I will wait until we get that back or until we get to that part of the show. In the meantime, we have some stories to get into. I am going to let Loki have it with this first story tonight. Yeah, so let's talk about all the good news with Activision Blizzard. Just kidding. There's no good news. It's never good news. It's Activision Blizzard. So uh, we have statements being made by Mike Yabara of Blizzard uh, as part of a company-wide QA. 
Um, some of the things that he did was downplay the uh, stack ranking that was something that was brought up by one of the developers that was leaving the company. Um, basically saying, you know, we don't stack rank employees one through X at Blizzard. We have a high expectation of our teams, managers set goals, blah, blah, blah. Um, that doesn't seem to necessarily reflect the the opinions of folks that are leaving the company because of that reason. Um, but, you know, along with that, you know, he also said to the effect of, if you think that executives are making a lot of money and you aren't, you're living in a myth. Right. Like, like executives at Activision Blizzard aren't making a lot of money. I don't believe that. Um, at the end of the day, we want people to be happy and decisions about being happy don't align with, um, with where we're going and you won't be happy. Then you you'll have to do what'll make you happy. In other words, we're going to do what we want and you got to get out of here. Uh, other fun stuff that they've been talking about as well. Uh, they're making their employees go back to the office because everybody loves that. Hey, you like remote work? Go back to the office because in my opinion, they just probably can't sexually harass the people remotely, so they got to bring people in the office so they can continue with their bad behavior to that's, begin with. That's a little hey. much. <laughs> I have a comment about that. I had been off for however many, about six months. I'd gone shopping. I'd been wearing my mask. I didn't go out for a week. I went back in the office for two days and got COVID. Yeah, I don't so, know why anyone would want to go back. We had a, I know, like at the company I work at, we're allegedly permanently remote because they don't have the office space anymore. They they leased it out or sold it or whatever, um, which is good. But there's like a like a handful of people, actually, I should say like two that wanted to work in the office, and so now because of that, they're doing this thing like once a month where they. They go back in the office, and it's not even like a team building thing. It's just we're just going to work in the office one day, and it's such a hassle because you got to like lug all of your equipment over there. You have to reserve a spot because they don't have assigned seating anymore, and you have to expose yourself to all these people that are just terrible. Like, I don't want to <laughs> do you know, that. You know, it's interesting. Um, Alan and I work at the same place. I'm not going to say much more than that on air. We do very different jobs. Alan actually goes into the office by choice. Um, our company is also remote, like that. But two things that are important in context. Number one, we live less than a mile from the home office, so commuting really isn't a problem. And number two, Alan is very much like, when I'm done with work, I want to get up and walk away and physically leave my work. And I'm kind of like, I respect that. Like, yeah, I get that. So, you know, it, w when it's convenient for him to do, I get that. But I, I feel like it's like maybe him and one other person in that very large area that, it, that, that the work is. I, our, our work is starting to get rid of spaces too uh and leasing or whatever so very very interesting now for the company that i work at because our culture is very different from a lot of corporate cultures mm -hmm. and people who know me know where i work but i'm not saying it on the air again um the culture of my work is built around um discussion and debate and an exchange of ideas and having individual expertise so I understand why our culture dictates having people together. At the same time, for those of us who have been doing other services within the company who aren't in the management realm or the decision-making realm or uh, the production realm, 
I I don't see a need for it. You know, we we have a Slack channel. I interact with my coworkers that way. I reach out to managers and departments that I want to eventually join and make friends with them. You know, I learn about everything. We can still reach out and have that spirit of communication without actually sharing the same space. Mm-hmm. And we're back on a on a hybrid. So we go in um no matter what your schedule are, everybody, if they are working a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, they go into the office. So for me, that means that, like, on my schedule now, my Wednesdays and Thursdays are spent in the office, and my Friday and Saturday is worked at home. Um, it's I, I'm fine with a hybrid schedule, but I still think that there's this sense of denial about the overall necessity and safety and going back into the office. And I think especially because the pandemic is not over. I, I will repeat that. The pandemic is not over. That it's still not the time to be forcing people to go into these environments. Harassment, you know, apart from, from that. Which, by the way, at my work, our... our uh, Corporate training on harassment has really stepped up its game since this whole thing has gone on. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I think that given that baseline that every company is having to deal with, and then given the environment of this particular volatile company, they're making a really bad call. And not just that, but like the performance reviews the the questionnaire they sent out to their employees mm-hmm. i've talked to a few people this is bullshit yeah i mean we have we have a uh, ranking for like choosing our schedules based on performance but i i think that this company is also still being resistant about people discussing their pay which by the way no matter what employer tells you not to discuss your pay, you have a legal right to, and everyone should be transparent about what they make and discuss it with others. You need to be paid what you're fucking worth. But yeah. going back but going back to to that, you know, it's it's really a, this the state of Corporate control, I think, is what it goes over. They want to have more control over what their employees are doing, be able to observe them, especially given the resistance of Activision Blizzard to um, uh, recent uh, unionization attempts. I I think what they're doing really wrong here is that, and this is for any company really, not just Activision Blizzard – But if you want to pull people back into the office, you really have to explain the why, the what's in it for them. Why is the company doing this? What is the reason besides and just people work better in person is not an acceptable reason because these companies did not go bankrupt (laughs) in the last three years. They've weathered the pandemic. So you have to be able to explain the why. And until you can do that to an audience that's already a little bit unhappy with a lot of your business practices, you're not going to win your employees over. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I like it at my job because they have a legitimate reason as to why. Mm -hmm. 
just you know because is not a reason, right? Loki, yeah, and and to and to that point, you know, the majority of them don't want to go back to the office full time or part time. Um, they still feel that the risks don't outweigh the benefits. On top of that, um, you know. Further work from home arrangements, they said, have resulted in employees having more time since they aren't losing in commutes, lower gas insurance costs, and, um, you know, as well as the ability to live further away from the office. Um, also, you know, there's childcare, schooling, all that stuff. Like, I completely understand that. And I know, like, some of, like, especially the company I work for, leadership has tried to make the argument, like, well, in, in person, you know, it, like, it's, It'll help out with, like, some of the issues that are going on with, like, poor training and stuff. And I have to remind them, like, yeah, but this has been going on, like, well before we went out on the pandemic. Like, this is not going to change if we're in the office. And they will know what we do anyways, even if we were in office. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. I know a lot of companies are kind of, like, trying to force this a little bit. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. Well, we'll see. I mean, this doesn't really change until these employees start leaving, unionize, let their voices, you know, be, let some actions speak behind those voices. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying they, they need to, or they have to, or whatever. I'm just saying like, unfortunately, management is very clearly not hearing them. And it's not until these sorts of, and this could be any company like today, it's about Activision Blizzard. Tomorrow, it'll be about somebody else in the industry. This insert company here. The, if they don't, you know, start making these changes, then some other company that does these types of things is going to snatch them up. Uh, Phil and I in chat says, oh, I heard from a Blizz friend. They were not happy with the decision. And that's when you start. Uh, what do they call that? Rage applying <laughs> when you just like, I'm just going to start applying to other jobs and see what, what happens. That's when that I mean, heck. I left a company I was with for 14 years because I was under the belief my job was going to be outsourced. It actually never was outsourced, but I, uh, because of some actions and things, I was convinced, and other people had been outsourced, I was convinced it was going to be. So I started rage applying, and guess what? I got a job where I made more money, so I left. Yeah, like if I could complain for a few seconds, I could actually complain for a lot longer than that, but like my Try current to keep job, it succinct. It's a three-hour show. Will, I will keep it short. Um, for example, I've I've been complaining that like obviously we feel very overworked. I'm doing a lot more work that feels like outside of my job description. And I've been at the company for at least in this position for like over seven years. And I am literally making the state mandated minimum wage for an exempt employee. Seven years of experience in this department, integral to the running of this department. Two of my employees, same um same everything um they left to go to another department they're hiring two new employees in those people with zero experience in this position will be making the same amount of money as i am there is nothing that they're going to do for me um they basically said well if you want more money you're probably gonna have they're you're being compensated fairly and if you want more money you probably have to look outside of the department okay so like it's just (laughs) they've been they've been walking on eggshells around me because I've just, I've lost all patience for everything with them. That, like, and I, as the last promotion I got at that job that I was at for 14 years, I got that promotion because I bid for a different department and I got offered the job. And I said, 
I'm leaving because I'm not getting promoted here. There's no movement in this department I am. For as much of these accolades that I get for what I do, and I have the facts back it up, I'm never getting promoted. I get a call back the next day that's basically like, if you try, if you will pull your name from consideration for that, you can choose if you want to go this path or this path. It was wild. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that it happened that way, but it did. Yeah, and and considering that these two, I, there's three people that were doing that role in that department. Now there's one. I I am the one that knows all of the information. Not a good time to piss me off, yeah. because if I leave. Your department's screwed. It's gone because you have literally high level explanations of how to do I, things. I think you're going to have no to rage apply and get the get the offer, and then they'll listen uh, if it's not too late. And it's, it's right right into what S. Joe and Hunter Matt says here in chat. We have a mental health crisis worldwide. I think folks have really found the comfort of being able to work from home because you have that flexibility to step away from your job in your own space, pet your cat, dog, etc., take care of your kids. I don't know the best answer to fix or create a work balance, but I think rushing people back in and saying, well, if you don't like it, leave is a toxic strategy. Because guess, And I'm adding to that comment yeah. saying, because guess what? They're getting ready to leave. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, like, I'd only been back to work for like, maybe four days it was my last day of training and i was looking at the job site there was a position that was there that was totally up my alley and it even said in the job description you just have to meet some of these requirements we want people who are completely different it's like for a design prototyping group and you better believe i touched up my resume completely the style they want at work and i had my app in you know, and I'm going to keep doing that. And I've even started looking at like industry jobs, like the one for the Pokemon company that I told you about the other day. Mm -hmm. And if I have to move, I will move because I'll be making the money. You know, they start off at like for for this one job that's like stuff I do anyway at like double my salary, just under double my salary. And I, I would move to Washington for that. We can still do OLR. We've been doing it virtually for how long? Since 2020, really. So yeah, and and it's not like I, you know, I don't see you guys from time to time, but um, but you know, I would sometimes you just have to be done. Does that make sense? No, I get it. Yeah, you, you have to be willing to be done and take take that risk, and if you like the company that you work at and believe in the company, mm -hmm. then you need to be also be willing to take brave steps to improve what you love. I, and you I, have to always be critical of what you love. I have to say like I, where I'm at now, I'm completely happy. I, I think the company's invested in me in a way that no other company I've worked at has before. Um, I have met some of my career goals at this company I'm being paid what I should be paid and, you know, have some good benefits to go with that. I have, I work with amazing people. Like I really can't complain. Like my day job's great. It's one thing you're not going to hear me complain about. So, um, it, will that still be the case in five, 10 years? That probably depends on if the CEO has changed and what type of work culture the new CEO would bring with them. If they keep up the ideals of the current person, because again, and we've said this since the very beginning of these Activision Blizzard stories, the culture comes from the top down. And that's why mm -hmm. Bobby Kotick is unqualified to work in this industry. He is not qualified to be the CEO of a major company the way he is. But because of 
systems being set up the way they are, he's there. And that it is what it is. But the culture really is set from the top down. And at least where I'm at now, I have the good fortune that we got a good guy at the helm that sets a good culture from the top down. And that is exactly why I like where I work. So I like that about my job too. Yeah. All right. Let's move on uh, and let's talk about other things going on in gaming. Uh, let's talk about something that uh, I'm not sure a lot of companies are on board for because we were talking about that a couple weeks ago on the show. But it sounds like Ubisoft may be in to attend E3 2023. Uh, there was a report, of course, that came out a couple weeks ago that said Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo won't be going to E3 in June. Uh, but one company that does want to be there is Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Uh, speaking to investors, Yves Gilman, who also is not qualified to be doing what he is doing, but here we are, uh, said, if E3 happens, we will be there and we will have a lot of things to show. It was a very simple comment, but it obviously has turned a lot of heads because that's one of the major publishers that is committing to E3. But what's interesting about that, if E3 happens, you know, this is a good point to bring up. By the time our show comes back in two weeks, it will be March 6th. That means there will be three months until June, middle of June. 90 days is that sweet spot to book travel. If E3 is... So I'm, I'm going to assume one of the store headlines we're going to miss next week, or you know maybe we'll be able to touch it on the March 6th show, but I, I'm almost certain in the next two weeks, we're going to have a go or a no-go on E3. We're either going to... They're either going to say, it's happening, here it is, here's the time, and here's all the people that are coming. Ubisoft, blah, 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 blah. Or we're going to get the Ubisoft. release. Yeah. And Ubisoft 3. It's three, E3, three companies are coming. U3. Um, <laughs> or they're going to put out the press release that says, uh, unfortunately, due to continued COVID concerns, we're canceling the show. <laughs> yeah. They'll blame COVID for sure. Because 100%, they're not going to blame themselves. No. Who, who does that? No. No. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to tell in the next couple of weeks. Because, like, again, you you can't expect especially international coming from japan you cannot expect those folks to make those types of uh travel plans less than three months in advance this thing and if 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 we come back in two weeks and e3 isn't confirmed or canceled i i'm in a different state of what the fuck because i'm like they're really gonna try to pull off a show with 60 days notice or something like that is that is ludicrous and, but also another example of how the ESA needs to get their shit together mm. and has been needed to get their shit together. Uh, Dr. C in chat says, I have to wonder what they'd even show. Rayman's main series been dead for a while. Don't hold out much hope for Assassin's Creed. Splinter Cell, maybe Prince of Persia. Well, how about Beyond Good and Evil? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, the um, there's a rumors and speculation, I guess, um, from Insider Gaming that says, basically, Just Dance 2024, Assassin's Creed, Mirage and Nexus, The Division Heartland, X Defiant, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Skull and Bones, again, the continuing saga. So there's um, enough crap. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. There's enough crap. All right. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. So I again, in two weeks, I expect we know what the summer looks like, because if we don't, 
know what the summer looks like 90 days out. I, I don't know what the fuck this industry is doing right now. We'll see. All right, moving on. Dark Sakura. Okay, so um, going into a little bit more of a legal side of things, um, the and this actually isn't like necessarily legal, but I have a feeling it could go that way. Um, there is basically a limit that the UK is asking these companies to put on the data that they gather from people who play different games. Um, there is a report by the Information Commissioner's Office that they want video games to to bolster and enforce age restriction. They stated the video game should include a, a stronger age assurance features for those who are below 18. Um, they've published a list of tips and recommendations on how developers can go, go about this. Um, of course, it goes both ways. They say that the personal data of children should only be collected and processed if it is not detrimental to their health or well-being. Um, going a little bit further into that, um, the ICO is recommending that any optional use of personal data is set to off by default with consent being given by a parent or guardian. Product placement, paid promotions, and collaborations should be monitored, especially in community servers. They want to put checkpoints um, like periodic saving of progress and natural breaks in play between game matches into the game design. So that basically, you know, it was sort of like what they were kind of trying to do with WoW. Where they're mm -hmm. saying, you've been playing for a while. Do you want a break? <laughs> You know, so they want to put up explanations and prompts of steps if, especially if, like, a child is trying to change the settings or maybe have something that goes back to the adults, like, also things like disabling voice chat. Um, I mean, and I, I think that's reasonable, you know, for for younger kids. Yeah, I think um, I think it's not obscene what they're asking here. Yeah, and one of the things they even say, I'm looking at the guidelines, I'll just read this verbatim, it, it's called Buff Your Age Assurance, Know Your Players' Ages, it says that the age range of your players and the different needs of children at different ages and stages of development should be at the heart of how you design your games and apply the code. So, um, I think that having sort of a floating age level, you know, might be pretty good. Um, there's another one on here about uh, open world gameplay. Um, so they're saying on here, bad privacy information design uh, obscures risks, unravels good player experiences, and sows mistrust between children, parents, and game providers. You could run user research to, uh, to trial child-friendly privacy information with different age groups, display transparency information on ability rather than age, um, you know, so like list at beginner, intermediate and expert levels and design different communication methods for um, how to appropriately relay information or or in return, gather information from children. Um, they actually even did another uh, thing on here looking this over about a guidance to explain how online services will spot detrimental use of children's data. Um, and also the children's code with guidance to help assess the best interests of children 
There's another interesting one here about stealth mode with high privacy settings and parental controls. Um, and that's having to, it's something that provides parents with real time alerts about what their children are playing or how long they've been playing. Mm. Or if the, you know, like I said before about the child trying to change the privacy settings <laughs> or, you know, different things like that. Um, there's also, you know, giving parents the freedom to assess the maturity of their child, you know, and there's also um, a request to put in like a do not disturb setting, you know, so that it would like not send like friend requests or it would disable voice chat or allow only people of the same age group to communicate with children, you know, offering profiling in game. Um, and it's, it's funny on here, pushing FOMO. <laughs> it says it is crucial that games do not use nudge techniques to lead children to make poor privacy decisions. So basically eliminating the fear of missing out. And there's even ones on here where they're requesting people to volunteer as auditors. Oh, that's that's where these issues get dicey when they invite the community to arbitrate uh, what is and what isn't appropriate. But I look at this more like doing like the Gallup poll. I'm going to mm. put this particular link here in in chat because at my old job when I worked for the money store, eh, um, I used to help with uh, the Gallup feedback. And one of the good things I like about that is that while this is gathered from communities participating in so such and the other and getting their opinion, it's something that is used by experts. Mm. So it's data, it's information, it's feedback, it's complaining. I fully believe a complaint can be a gift because it's an opportunity to do better. Mm. At the At the same time, I think that the information that comes from surveys like this or from, you know, community auditing should be implemented by the people who are qualified to do so. It will be interesting to see what effect this could have on future game development. Um, with, I uh, think there's going to be something going in as legislation before too long because, you know, people do like to pass their laws. Mm -hmm. And the UK is tending to regulate a lot of these things stricter than we are over here, for sure. So, you know, and obviously well, the company I, I work for follows like European standards for privacy. Yeah. M most and companies it have is to. Pretty stringent. Yeah. yeah. So that's why all the websites you go to now, like all of them say like the cookie stuff that all came from the Europe laws, not the US laws. So be interesting. Oh, yeah. And I'm always like, no, I do not want you to to target ads or do all this shit. I mean, one one thing I, I actually super like about because I stopped using Chrome because Chrome is a resource hog. Mm -hmm. Like for people who open different instances of Chrome or different tabs of Chrome, it is eating your RAM and your processor. Not me with five Chrome tabs open right now. <laughs> um, I've I've actually gone back to just using safari for everything i mean and it's not just because you know i love my mac and it's a native app but um i've really gotten to where i like the fact it records the trackers mm. and blocks the majority of them i keep ghostery open in the background as well um and 
it's been between the two of those i've really just enjoyed the greater sense of of privacy i've gotten from it and you know but i when i was on my pc i was using um i was using chrome because of the compatibility with stuff but i started using opera a lot more mm. and you know and there's also i would even say and this is just going into general tips um make sure that your search engine um also has its own privacy uh protocols in place as well like a lot of people are fond of duckduckgo you know um even you know if you're really concerned about it consider investing in a vpn huh. pretty cheap yeah, nowadays but, yeah I, like i have a vpn that i turn on by demand huh. and Usually it's when I want to look at stuff on the BBC website. I had to use one because my Comcast connection was that shitty uh, for playing like Final Fantasy 14 at one point. But anyway, I digress. Well, I mean, I have my work VPN for when I work from home, but yeah. I, I really am a bigger advocate now of doing different things. Like since I stopped playing Stadia, I stopped using Chrome. Mm. All right. Because Stadia was only working in Chrome. Let's move on, though. We got to... Uh get the rest of the news so let's get to our next stories so, funny enough we brought up ai earlier in the show and now we have another story about ai yeah so there's been a team from the university of copenhagen who has put together a mario gpt tool that can generate uh levels in super mario brothers based off of a text prompt it's very rudimentary you can't actually I don't think you can actually play the levels. It's just more of a graphical representation of them. Um, but, you know, it's apparently the first text-to-level model in existence. So, it's neat. It's, um... I'm not sure you know, what you can really do with this, but it's it's a neat concept, I guess. It's very basic. So, like, they have, like, some screenshots of, like... You know, many pipes, many enemies, little blocks, low elevation, and you kind of get like a regular level. Many pipes, many enemies, and it's all pipes. So, it's not going to replace Mario Maker anytime soon, but it's it's a neat idea. It's a neat <laughs> concept. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I mean, I guess we've had games in the past that kind of like use a simple AI to develop levels on the fly, like as you're playing them. But it's interesting to see how that might get more complex for a more complex platformer, like a you know a little big planet, little AI planet or whatever, you know, that just starts to generate levels. Although not ne that not that that means it would be good necessarily, because sometimes yeah. AI levels you can kind of tell they're generated by a robot, you know. So yeah, it's just a kind of a neat proof of concept right now. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what was an amazing proof of concept when it came out was the game Tetris Effect. And uh, Tetris Effect has already been re-released as Tetris Effect Connected. And now it's going to be basically getting another big update. Uh, they're not giving it a new subtitle, but Tetris Effect Connected will be getting an update alongside the launch of the game on PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, it will have some new game modes, uh, which are Classic Score Attack, which looks like the old 1989 Tetris Nintendo game uh the official licensed nintendo game not the um tengen one uh and then there's a version called zone marathon which is the marathon mode but with that zone mechanic which was new to tetris effect where you can kind of like freeze things for a little bit that's all built that's how you get the um 
24 line Tetris or whatever, all that stuff uh, that's in the zone stuff. There also is purify mode where you can now do an endless mode and master mode, which also has an endless mode. Uh, so there's a whole little video if you want to check out that. Uh, but yeah, you can pretty much get this game just about on every game front, including on PC via Steam and Epic Game Store. It's even on Quest because it is a VR game. Uh, it's, it is even on Luna. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Tetris Effect is really everywhere. So now did you did you catch the Tetris movie trailer? I did see the Tetris movie trailer and I was pleasantly uh, surprised that it is not a game where they like, oh, let's turn Tetris into a movie. It is a movie about the release of the game Tetris that that wasn't in the original like, oh, Apple TV got the rights to do a Tetris movie or whatever it was in the beginning. I think a lot of us were assuming they're going to do a movie based on Tetris. That's silly. But now that we see from the trailer, oh, it's about the release of Tetris and getting that, you know, you know, during that era, especially, you know, in the 80s when that game came over, getting a Russian game. And OK, OK, I get it. And it's, it looks interesting. So. Uh, Yeah, I saw that shared in our Discord. And I see some folks in our chat uh, talking about that. Uh, Tiger Claw says that trailer was released and it's not what you expect. Looks like a fun and entertaining movie, given the circumstances that were involved to bring the game to the U.S. Yeah, I'm curious if they might get into some of the... Because you can see that Nintendo is represented in there. I'm curious if they'll get into some of the Tengen, Atari versus Nintendo stuff when it came to Tetris. I don't know if that's a little too... Uh, in the weeds for a movie plot, but it'll be interesting. Uh, Questbuster says that Tetris trailer was wild. As Joe and Matt says, that movie does look interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it'll be interesting. And I think streaming is a good place for that. I'm not sure as many people would have ran to the theater to see something like that. I mean, I might have, but um, I think streaming is a really good place for a movie like that. I think it'll actually catch more eyeballs there than it will uh, with a traditional release. So good on Apple for picking that up. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to a game that maybe more big game developers should pick up. Uh, <laughs> uh, is this on Dark Soccer? I think this one's yours. Yeah, um, Cocaine Bear. That's all I need to say. Um, it. A lot of people are talking about this one. I'm probably never going to see it because it honestly sounds like like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's exactly why I'm going to go see it. <laughs> every every time I see the trailer, I'm like, if Loki had become a movie director, this is what he would have made. <laughs> there is enough stupid in my life that I don't need to be adding to it. I love stupid movies. I-D-G-A-F. <laughs> the only way this can get better is if Cocaine Bear can join the Fast and the Furious crew for Fast 11. So that's the only way this can get better. What if they did Cocaine Bear versus Sharknado? I mean... I'm fine with the extended Cocaine Bear what universe. What about Cocaine Bear NATO? Well, the first of- movie has to succeed first, and then there will absolutely be a sequel, like Cocaine Bear 2 Electric Boogaloo. Absolutely a potential thing if this movie makes a lot of money. <laughs> well, at, at any rate, um, they're going to be doing a tie-in web-based game called uh, Cocaine Bear 8-Bit Game. If you go to cocainebear.movie slash game, then you can play a game as a cocaine bear. I think they have the subtitle Rise of the Escobar. Yeah, the 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 play Pablo, button on this thing is Pablo covering Escobar. the title. Yeah, um, but I'm going to look at the game. It's very and loud. 
That's <laughs> what I found. It's clearly built to play on a phone browser. Also, there's a link on here that I just followed, and apparently uh, Elizabeth Banks has Cocaine Bear's head in her office. I think she's the director. Yeah. Which is hilarious Not the real to me. Cocaine Bear, yeah. but, you know, not like a taxidermied head. From the movie. Huh. Yeah, but I think that's funny. Tiger Claw says the movie is loosely based on the on the true story, but the movie takes huge liberties on the story. Mm-hmm. I would hope that they do. <laughs> I hope so. S. Joe and Hunter Matt does confirm she is the director. Yeah, she was a great I, Rita Repulsa for the record. I actually enjoyed that Power Move uh, Power Rangers reboot movie, and she did good in that role. So yeah. There, by the way, slightly off topic. Mm-hmm. Um. I watched this thing that I didn't even know was a thing where they had like Street Fighter versus Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And it was like a real Power Rangers thing. Like it had like the actual actors in it and everything. And it was a trip to watch. Well, there's a new Power Rangers thing coming to Netflix. That's like uh, that that has like the actual original like they're in their fucking 50s now. Doing Power Rangers shit. Although, as we know, the yellow one passed away in a car accident years ago. I think it's like her and, daughter. Or, and what's his face? Killed himself. Yeah, but I, he wasn't in the original original, if I remember right. So, yeah, I was. Was he? I thought he yeah. didn't come out till the next season Green or something. Green Ranger. Oh, okay. Well, is I don't... I, the, the movie was shot before he um, passed. So he could yeah, be in it in was- a cameo. He was in the thing that I watched with, you know, the Street Fighter thing. Mm. So it was a very interesting watch. If I can find it again. This has Ray Liotta in it, Cocaine Bear. Oh, it's got a lot of, it's, it's, this is the year. I might see it. This is the year. the game. People are just (laughs) unleashing their pandemic uh, uh, frustrations out on film. Hey, I'll go see it. They need, to t- they need to tighten up the game design in level three because it froze after I beat it. All right. Well, but, since Dark's, oh, go ahead. But but at any rate, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. There. Since Star Sagra brought up the versus Street Fighter thing, it's a nice little tie into the next story, which has to do with that, right, Loki? Yeah, this is a, this is a fighting game I'd love to see, but instead we're getting a comic um, or a limited comic <laughs> series, which is just fine. It is uh, IDW Comics has announced a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter comic crossover event it's coming may of this year and it's going to be penned by paul allor with art by ariel mendel and colors by sarah myers It'll be a five issue mini series and it's going to have the turtles going toe-to-toe with ryu ken chung lee and guile neat i, I want mean, a game now i know right that's where i'm at is i'm like on it with the, the ninja turtles have had Several fighting games. I mean, all for or like DLC for Street Fighter Six or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. So why not? Let's let's. If they're not going to do another Tatsunoko versus Capcom or whatever, why don't we get a TMNT versus Street Fighter? Why not? If we're not going to ever get Tekken versus Street Fighter, well, we got we got one. We didn't get the other. We got we got Street Fighter cross Tekken, but we never got Tekken cross Street Fighter. So why not? Why not give us Ninja Turtles? Yeah, I'm here for it. All right. Uh, let's talk about a warning, a reminder warning. Oh, hmm. oh one thing. Hmm. I would love for them to bring in the characters from t- uh, Tournament Fighter. Hmm. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm looking in chat for some comments too. DJ Roma S says, I'm friends with Sarah Meyer. Her artwork is amazing. She does the ink work for TMNT Saturday morning adventures. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and of course, Tiger Claw. I knew Tiger Claw would have something to say about this because I know he loves Ninja Turtles. Saying the TMNT in this comic crossover appears to be of the current continuity because we get the fifth turtle, Jenica, mm-hmm. on the cover. Hmm. All right. Well, um, going over to some stories about Nintendo. The Nintendo. What? Sorry, I was going to say that is one of the best characters to be added into the TMNT continuity because I was reading the comics pretty religiously for a while. Mm hmm. Such a good character, but I digress. No, no worries, no worries. All right, everybody got their Ninja Turtles out of their system? All right, <laughs> let me talk about Nintendo changes um, that they're reminding you of. They've talked about this before, but reminder, as of March 2023, so coming up next month, at the end of the month, you will no longer be able to buy Nintendo eShop purchases for Wii U and Nintendo 3DS. You cannot download free content. That means no more game demos. Also, related services will cease to function. So some things have already stopped happening. So last year, they yanked the credit card to add funds. Uh, They uh, yanked it on the Wii U or 3DS, and then you couldn't use an eShop card anymore at that point. If you link your Nintendo Network ID wallet with your Nintendo account, you can use the shared balance to purchase on any of these systems until March. But after that, they will only work on the Nintendo Switch. Further clarification, which is needed here. The consolidation service, which allows you to merge your eShop balance between the Nintendo account and the Switch eShop doesn't work anymore after March 2024. So if you have any money sitting on those systems, and now that I think about it, I wonder if I don't just have a couple bucks floating in my wallet or whatever on one of these systems. I I think I need to go check uh, just to make sure. I don't think so, but maybe on Wii U. I could see that maybe I had some points left over or something there. But as of March 2024, you can't even combine the accounts anymore. Why we had separate accounts for all this shit in the first place, I will never understand. But I digress. After after all, Microsoft and Sony have kept the same network ever since the Xbox era. Xbox 360, One. They've all used the, the same network, but I digress. Nintendo always does things a little bit differently, don't they? But this is a good reminder. Check your Wii U balances. Check your... Um, Check all that stuff. Make sure they work. Uh, Mike Def says, get that Pokemon bank and transporter. If you ever want to pull your Pokemon off the DS, download that still while it's still free before it doesn't work anymore. So uh, great, great call out there for sure. Hopefully the bank will continue to work, even if the rest of Nintendo's online stuff doesn't. But I guess maybe because that's all through the Pokemon company, they may uh, operate that a little differently. So be interesting to see. All right. Welp, let's go into our next segment to uh, celebrate something that hopefully will not be pulled in the year 2024. And now it's time to travel back to a simpler time where I'll dive into the vault and pull out a classic and tell you about it. It's time for the classic game of the week. All right, and Dark Sakura, what did you pick for us tonight? Uh, I picked Afterburner Climax. And 
I, I love the music in this game. Um, Let me play a little bit of it in the background so our podcast folks can hear, as well as the live yeah. folks here. Because, I mean, it's freaking Afterburner. Um, but at any rate, um, Afterburner Climax is another game in the Afterburner series. Um, it was released in arcades in 2006 and then had home releases for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in April 2010. And you remember when we would go to, uh, was it, was it Mike's Incredibly Mediocre Pizza? Uh, jo- uh John's Incredibly Shitty Pizza. John's, yeah, that was it. Well, I, mediocre. There were yeah. some good ones, but this one were mediocre. I'm going to step away um, from keyboard for a minute while you finish saying it. I, well, at any rate, um, I would pretty much beeline toward this and Dead Storm Pirates. <laughs> So uh, I love Afterburner Climax. Um, And, you know, just like the earlier incarnations of Afterburner, the the deluxe Afterburner Climax cabinet had a servo cook chair that um, you could also use a button to keep it locked in a static position. Um, And uh, it would, like, completely move around as as you played if you didn't use that. Um, there were other cabinet versions that had a commander version, which tilts side to side, and the standard version that doesn't move at all. The deluxe cabinet had a widescreen LCD monitor, uh, while the standard and commander had a 29-inch CRT. Um, the digital version actually has been delisted from Xbox Live and PlayStation Store as of December 2014 and was removed from all the storefronts in May 2015. There is a mobile version that was re-released via the Sega Forever service in April 2019, but that's also gone. At any rate, with with, uh, Afterburner Climax, um, it introduced two different aircraft, the uh, FA-18E Super Hornet and the F-15E Strike Eagle. The original F-14 Tomcat that had been, you know, a mainstay of the series was replaced with the F-14D Super Tomcat. All of these are real planes, by the way. Um, so I think that was cool. I think that they modeled them really nicely. It's just, you know, my problem with Afterburner is because of the way that your plane moves never felt really realistic. But at the same time, this game is it's a lot different when you're actually playing it on one of the deluxe caps. Um, anyway, when you choose your plane, um, you can use the throttle to choose between four different paint jobs on your planes. Um, you have a standard, a camo, a special, and a low visibility scheme. Excuse me. After you choose that, you can also choose to listen to the Afterburner Climax music. Or the original soundtrack from Afterburner 2 by holding the throttle back and hitting the missile button. Um, I mean, it's really very... I'm going to say, you know, that that the game, you know, is very straightforward. You know, you pew-pew things. It's got, like, a lock-in system on there. You can shoot your missiles. You've got a limited number of your missiles, just like any, you know, fighter jet would. Um, But it's... It's so funny, like, the original Afterburner, we had one at Scandia for a while. You remember, Loki? Um, I remember that. I do. 
I don't remember that, unfortunately. I used to get super motion sick on it, but because it was the the shifting circle kind of one. Um, but the moving chair ones, I actually never got so sick on. I used to play a lot of Starblade. Remember? I only remember them um, having the Afterburner cabinet. It was either at Disneyland or at uh, Great America. One of the arcades had it. I think the Great America arcade that had that Galaxian three or whatever. Uh, the last time I went to Great America, they had a Planet Harriers, and you couldn't get me off of that machine. I was in love. Um, but but going back to Afterburner Climax, um, it this was going on when there was this sort of renaissance for the classic Sega titles. Um, so a little bit more behind this one. It was developed by Sega AM2, you know, so it was the, the big arcade group for Sega. Um, art done by um, Aoki Seiji, uh, programmed by uh, uh, Sumi Masayuki. Um, it is just it's just a great game, and I hate that it, that all the home versions have been delisted. Um, but you know, also as far as the system it was released released on, it was on the uh, Sega Lindbergh system um, that used a, a three gigahertz Pentium four CPU, one gigabyte of RAM, and an NVIDIA GPU, um, and an internal uh, DVD ROM system. And this was the same one that Initial D Arcade Stage Four. Uh, uh, House of the Dead 4, Virtua Tennis 3, Virtua Fighter 5, and the cancelled uh, Scythe. Uh, so, like their, their current one, that House of the Dead Scarlet Dawn, is on, I think this last one was an Unreal 4-based one. But at any rate, I mean, it's just sort of fun going back and seeing what, what these ran on. And you know, seeing where the technology has has come, you know, come from it, because the one that came after that was the Europa R that Sega Rally Three played on. But um, but at any rate, you know, it's just it's just kind of kind of neat seeing how the technology has gone. Because this game, even today, I would think this game looks pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's still a great looking game, especially with how fast it moves. Right, reminds me of like an F Zero, but it, in the sky. Well, and you know where else the Climax name has been used was in Bayonetta. Mm. Is when the uh, Afterburner theme was the Climax version. Mm-hmm. Um, there was... Wasn't there also though, a thing where you could switch her from Afterburner to a different shooter? Like if you had some outfit equipped... Um, I don't remember. Somebody in chat might speak up. Yeah, but my favorite thing, though, is that when she... It's, it's, there was, I think there was also like a Space Harrier one for her, but I love how she says, Welcome to my fantasy zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Star Fox. No, it's the first Switch. Um, if you had, like, the Fox McCloud outfit equipped, that um, uh... when you played through that scene, you'd play as an R-Wing. I didn't know that. It's neat. Yeah. All right. Um, but but at any rate, it's a great game. I I still love to this day playing it in the arcade. Um, so yeah, uh, 
You know what I wish that they would have done if they had done Thanos using the climax? <laughs> well, it's never too I mean, late, right? There was the Sega Ages re-releases, but I mean, heck, I would, I'd have that in a heartbeat. <laughs> All right, there it is. Sega, bring us Planet Harriers at home, the end.com. Uh, your classic game of the week, Afterburner Climax. Uh, great arcade game that was very impressive. And yeah, really does still kind of hold up today. Uh, Bonds006 says, this is the game that is the reason I play Ace Combat. So, you know, people get started on the genre in one place and end up playing other stuff. So, awesome, awesome. All right. Not everyone can be perfect. <laughs> All right, let's move on and uh, travel around the world quickly with some rapid fire news, and then we'll do some release dates as well. But let's do rapid fire news first. Loki. Speaking of Ace Combat, if you want to play that and you're a premium or extra subscriber of PlayStation Plus, you can do that as part of their game catalog in February. They're actually offering Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown for PlayStation 4 on... Um, PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. Borderlands 3 is coming as well. Uh, one of my favorites, Earth Defense Force 5 for PlayStation 4. The Forgotten City on PlayStation 5 and 4. Horizon Forbidden West on 5 and 4. I Am Setsuna on PlayStation 4. Lost Sphere. Uh, Oninaki, both on PlayStation 4. Outriders on PS4 and PS5. The Quarry on both. Uh, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard on PlayStation 4. Scarlet Nexus on 5 and 4. And Tekken 7 on 4. And then of the classic catalog, they're giving you Harvest Moon Back to Nature, uh, Legend of Dragoon, and Wild Arms 2 on the original PlayStation. I'm sorry, did and... someone say Legend of Dragoon? <clears throat> yes. That, that is an attention grabber. And then also uh, PlayStation 4 Destroy All Humans. I'm assuming this is the remake uh, that is part of the classic catalog there. Um, and then this is a surprising bit of news, considering all of the delay news we hear, especially around Dead Island 2. But Dead Island 2 has gone gold. And in fact, they have moved up their release date one week to April 21st, 2023. So, cool. It's coming. It'll be here soon. No more delays. Only like 10 years after the first game, but all right. I hope it's good. Never, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I hope it's good. Hope it's worth the wait. All right. Uh, Dark Sakura, what do you have for us? Oh, my my artistic hero, the man himself, uh, Amano Yoshitaka. Um, He is doing the, uh, the, like, the cover for the DLC soundtracks that are coming with the first-run copies of Cuphead's Japanese Physical Edition. Um, I, I was looking at the price. It's it's like 40 bucks, which isn't bad. But then the shipping is also 40 bucks, which is bad. Oh, yeah. And I want this so much. Oh, the artwork looks so good. But it's playing homage to the classic fantasy RPGs. Um, it's It's absolutely beautiful artwork. Um, there's been samples of it posted on um, the the Twitters, but um, I I love him. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's really cute. For those that are watching on Twitch, we're trying to put some of that up on stream so you can kind of see what we're talking about. It is very impressive, obviously. So Yeah, but I mean, like, keep in mind that it is because of this man that we have Power Rangers. Mm. Well, okay. 
He um he did the designs for Science Ninja Team Gachaman when he was doing work for uh, Tatsunoko. Mm-hmm. He did the character designs for my favorite anime in the universe. And um, it was from that series that the idea for doing live action Sentai mm-hmm. came out. So we indirectly have him to thank for Power Rangers. Um, but I mean, he he also did a uh, uh, illustration for Vampire Hunter D novels and worked on uh, Demon City Shinjuku. I mean, this this guy and his own like his. Other artwork is absolutely astounding. I have an art book this thick of his work. Um, and uh, I, I need every little single piece of his artwork I can get my grubby little fingers on. <laughs> All right. Well, of course, obviously, Amano is also very much known for his work with the Final Fantasy series. And we've been getting a lot of interesting Final Fantasy tidbits this year, not just with game releases like Theatrhythm and um, you know, uh, the upcoming Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster release on consoles. But we know that Final Fantasy VII also uh, supposedly get, supposedly getting the uh, second chapter in the Rebirth series, um, or excuse me, the second chapter of the remake series, Rebirth, is also supposed to be this year. And Square Enix has been sharing some insight to Final Fantasy VII's development, uh, kind of talking a little bit about, you know, what maybe some of the original plans were for the uh, game. I feel like we knew this, like this had been said in an interview before, but... The development team did share that the original plan for Final Fantasy VII was that the game was going to take place in New York City. I thought I remember something about some of that spinning off into what eventually became Parasite Eve, but I digress. Um, So the game was originally going to take place in New York City. The story was a little bit different, but there were some elements that were the same. In the original story, Detective Joe, whoever that is, not Cloud, but Detective Joe... Uh, was going to be investigating the group that was looking to destroy the Mako reactors. So that whole part, you know, with the Mako reactors and, you know, uh, people wanting to blow it up for their reasons to save the planet, probably, uh, like it was in the Final Fantasy VII game, probably tied into the original Seven. So, interesting. One of the members in the group went through some different changes. That character eventually became Cloud Strife. So, um who knows? I mean, I don't know if Parasite Eve took more of that original idea. I don't know. I think maybe just the maybe some of the graphics for New York. Who knows? But uh, it's kind of interesting that that's where Final Fantasy VII started. And so if you were seeing parallels between Midgar and a big metropolis like New York City, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's also that. So, all right. Let's check out some games that are coming out this week. I don't think we have the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, but we have some other games that maybe you can look forward to this week. Loki. Yes, like Atomic Heart, which is going to be on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Uh, Like a Dragon Ishin on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, uh, Xbox One, Xbox Series. Uh, Seven Doors, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Uh, Digimon World Next Order on PC and Nintendo Switch. Uh, and then we looks like we're getting into um, the PlayStation VR stuff. We have Horizon Call of the Mountain on PlayStation 5, or PlayStation VR 2, actually. Uh, Kazuni AI Touch of the Beat on PlayStation 5. Uh, Redemption Reapers on PC, Nintendo Switch, and PlayStation 4. Blood Bowl 3 on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Company of Heroes 3 on PC. 
Grim Guardians Demon Purge on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. And then we have uh, Raiden 3 Cross Mikado Maniacs on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Clive and Wrench. I came close to importing that one. What's uh, Mikado Maniacs? Uh, Mikado is a music studio. Hmm. That'd be cool. And and it's supposed to have pretty killer soundtrack. I mean, Raiden 3 was pretty mediocre as far as the Raiden games go, but the Mikado uh, Studios has done some amazing music. Oh. Uh, Clive and Wrench on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. And we've got a couple more here. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe on Nintendo Switch. And last but not least... Octopath Traveler 2 on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. That's it. All right, let's travel over to Japan. I feel like we've had some light release weeks in Japan lately. This week, very much not the case. We have a lot of shit coming out in Japan this week. So uh, pull up a chair. Here we go on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Oida Beppu Mystery Guide, the Warped Bamboo Lantern, is out on the Switch this week. The Ultimate Wonder Boy Collection. I was looking at this because I was wondering if it was just another re-release of the Dragon's Trap. And it is, but there's it has Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy Monster Land, Dragon's Trap, Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair, Wonder Boy 5, Wonder Boy 4, or excuse me, Monster World 4 is in there too. It's very, very busy with... Um, wonder boy games so if you are a fan of that series uh there's that for you digimon world next order uh has its release the international edition in japan this week as well um akatsuki yoreyu koi akari is out in a regular and limited edition this week uh sakura moyu as the knight's reincarnation is out in a regular and limited edition this week as well on the switch koisuro kanojo nu no bukyo nabutai is out in a regular and Limited edition this week in Japan. Magical girl game. Yep. Um, Omoide Kakaete Ai no Koi is out this week as well in a regular and and audience. Limited edition. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to keep guessing. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Other games we have. The Crimson Flower That Divides Us, Lunar Coupling, is out in Japan on the 23rd. That same Raiden 3 Cross Mikado Maniacs is out. Um, Hakuoki Remeroku is out as well this week uh, in Japan. And, of course, Octopath Traveler 2 does get a Japanese release. And, of course, that Kirby game also getting released in Japan as well. And if you were waiting for this on the Switch in Japan, guess what? You can finally play Ark Survival Evolved in a physical edition on the uh, Switch this week in Japan. How about the PlayStation 5 now? <clears throat> the PlayStation VR 2 is released this week. That is worth noting. So if you want to pick that up, and then that would mean a lot of the stuff that comes with it, including the Horizon Call of the Mountain, the Charging Station. Uh, that same Raiden 3 crossover game is also out on the PlayStation 5, if you'd rather play it there. Uh, Tortuga, A Pirate's Tale, also out in Japan this week on the PlayStation 5. Octopath Traveler 2, also out on the PlayStation 5. What did I tell you? Busy week. How about the UK? Well, on the 21st, uh, we have Like a Dragon Ishin. Um, that's uh, for uh, PlayStation and Xbox. Likewise, we have Atomic Heart. On the 22nd for Switch, we have Digimon World Next Order. Um, on the 23rd, 
for the big three consoles, we have Blood Bowl 3 Brutal Edition. Um, for uh, PC, Company of Heroes 3. For PlayStation and Switch, My Life Pet Vet. Um, moving on to the 24th, we have Do Not Open for PlayStation. For Switch, SpongeBob SquarePants Krusty Cook-Off. Um, that sounds completely horrifying. Um, on PlayStation, we have uh, Broken Pieces. PlayStation Xbox Hunt Showdown Limited Bounty Hunter Edition. Um, for Switch and PlayStation, Octopath Traveler 2. For Switch, uh, Kirby Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Um, for the, on the 24th also for PlayStation and Switch, Crazy Chicken Traps and Treasures. Um, for the big three, we have Clive and Wrench. And that's it for the week. All right. We have a few more stories, and then we're going to get to the listener roundtable. We do have an email tonight, finally bucking the trend of the past, what, two months. So that's exciting. Insert gasp here. So uh, we'll also get to your comments and maybe your phone calls. We have time as well over on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. But first, we have a few more stories for you. Let's go back to Loki. So we talked last week how there was going to be this big update for uh, Team Fortress 2. Well, apparently they've started to walk back the expectations for that. So they've changed a little bit of the passage that was in their update. Um, So it previously read, you know, the last few Team Fortress summer events have been only uh, have only been item updates. But this year we're planning a full on update size update with items, maps, taunts, unusual effects, war paints, and who knows what else, which means we need a, or we need steam workshop content, your steam workshop content. And now it says, you know, the last team fortress summer updates have only been item updates, but this year we're playing on full on holiday sized update. I don't know what that means as far as different, um, with items, maps, taunts, unusual effects, war paints, and other community-contributed fixes for the game, which means we need your Steam Workshop content, your or we need Steam Workshop content, your Steam Workshop content. Which I mean, it, originally it sounded like that you know they were incorporating um, Steam Workshop stuff into the game update, but now it's like no, it's only going to be Steam Workshop content. <laughs> we're just gathering and putting it out as a free update, even though you made all the stuff for it. Um. Oh well, it's a it's a really old game. Like, I mean, I don't expect them to be publishing more stuff. We for could it just make a else. Team Fortress three if y'all weren't allergic to the number three. <sighs> I can't do that. <sighs> Snow three at Valve. Speaking of allergies, uh, I am definitely allergic to this trend in the gaming community. Dark Sakura. Squenix is not learning anything. They're not listening to people and they're not learning. Um, they announced very recently that they are launching their NFT-based game Symbiogenesis um, on a site called uh, Polygon, which is an Ethereum scaling network. Um, it was announced last November, and then and back then they said that story-driven collectibles um were of course at the heart of it and that they plan to launch on Ethereum. But now they say they're using Polygon instead instead that uses a side chain to uh basically deal in faster and cheaper transactions than the Ethereum's network, uh well their own mainnet could handle. Um they 
were also, you know, interested in in the lower fees in general, going back to to making it a little bit cheaper. Um, and they wanted to offer uh, what they call a unique experience to Web3 fans. This is stated by the game producer uh, Tamate uh, Naoyuki. Um, they, they put some more details out. It's going to be built around 10,000 character NFTs that are tied to game mechanics, although there are other NFTs used in the game, uh, according to their document that they released to Polygon Labs. Owning a character NFT is not required to play the game, although it adds uh, unspecified extra value to the experience. Character NFT holders can create replica NFTs to share story information with other characters. The game will be taking uh, place on a floating continent above a polluted future Earth, with the society uh, forced to to band together to uh, keep a dragon away from, from their floating home. Um, it is turn-based gameplay tied to the storyline. Different paths um, go with different missions um, and either holding or trading NFTs. They showed some of the NFT items that included dragon tarot cards in the monster storybook. There's no more actual details out. Um, but, but I can tell you, I'm... No. Here's and the- they've been investing in this Ethereum uh, sandbox. And and they also announced that they were going to revive uh, Dungeon Siege, the franchise. I, that better I, not be coming out as an NFT thing. Good Dungeon Siege wasn't bad, but if it's all going to be NFT crap, then forget it. So here's, wasn't their last version of the Dungeon Siege game that they did was awful too? Or am I thinking Dungeon Siege Three? Else? I didn't think it was that bad. Or was there? No, a no. I must be. No, I'm thinking of a different game. I'm so, thinking of uh, Dungeon Keeper. Oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the question I have about this game. Let's let's take a look at another Square Enix title real quick. I want to know: Does the NFT game? What's it called? Symbiogenesis. Does symbi mm-hmm. does Symbiogenesis last? Symbiogenesis. Sorry, whatever it's called. Does it last longer or shorter than Babylon's Fall? <laughs> For mm-hmm. the record, which by the way, this is a timely question because in case you forgot, mm-hmm. Babylon's Fall was released on March third, twenty twenty two. The servers are being shut down on Thursday, February twenty third. So this is actually <laughs> timely. R.I.P. Babylon's Fall. Literal P. Rest in it. <laughs> okay? So Babylon's Fall lasted... Rest fi- in piss. Rest- Babylon's flop lasted 51 weeks. Does Symbiogenesis go... We're going to play prices Right. Higher than or lower than 51 weeks? <laughs> lower. Well, there's there's another thing, too, that people need to, to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So... In in last May's, Gwenix sold off a bunch of their studios and franchises, including Tomb Raider. Um, and they used the the roughly three hundred million that they got to start supporting this Web three experience as far and also some other business ventures. So if this flops the way we think it will, Gwenix is going to be in. In not just in P, they're going to be in deep shit. This is why I made the prediction I did at the beginning of the year that the current CEO of Square Enix is not going to make it through the year as CEO. 
So, and this is another fantastic example because when this game is an embarrassment and ends up lasting less than 51 weeks, which is where I'm going to hedge my bet, um, it's over. So, uh, Questbuster in chat says, Rob, not pulling any punches. You know what? I don't don't have time for NFTs and neither does anyone else. So too old for this shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm too old for this shit. And, and yeah, that's money that could have gone towards the development of putting more Theatrhythm songs into Theatrhythm final bar line. <laughs> Bro, don't even. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. This, they could have used that money to license Angela Aki. I'm just saying, you know, what's not in amazing. Th- you know, what's not in Theatrhythm final bar line. Babylon's fall. My butt. All right. <laughs> Uh, Loki, what do you have for us? Uh, yes, it's another person being fired for sexual misconduct allegations. So, uh, Genshin Impact voice actor Elliot Gindy is no longer going to be voicing, I guess, uh, Tignari. Um, because apparently, you know, they said after communications with voice recording agency, we hereby confirm that Elliot Guinea and the the English voice actor for Tignari will no longer be voicing the character in subsequent versions due to breach of contract. I guess that contract is, you know, sexual allegations. Um, yeah, President, we are communicating with the voice recording agency regarding the matter and casting a re-recording. We'll gradually replace uh, Tignari's existing in-game voice lines and issue these updates in a corresponding announcement. Thank you for your support. So he's being removed, removed. Yeah. There's, I like there's that one. Uh, I don't remember what the other game was that they, they were doing that with, too. They recast and redid all the voice lines. Destiny for... 2. Remember? Destiny 2? The, the mm-hmm. um, guy from Game of Thrones used to be the little AI thing. And they no, completely no, changed no, no, it. No. It wasn't no, for the same reason, but they, they did do that. No, there was another one that was actually for this, this type of thing, I think. Um, I want to say it was in Like a Dragon, but I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. Or, or one of the Yakuza games. I don't remember oh, now. I don't remember it was, either. I just remember the next one, too. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's annoying to still see, you know this type of thing happening in the industry, but at least uh, they're addressing it. Questbuster does point out Mihoyo did the same thing with another character in 2021. This might be why this sounds familiar, but it was when a Chinese voice actor was erased for similar, similar behavior while he was married, by the way. So, uh, Dark Tosia says judgment, the, the, the Yakuza spinoff game. Uh, that's what it was. Yeah. 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 Now that I think about it, I do remember a story about that too. Had something like that. That's right. It sure did. Uh, the actor got busted for drugs, so they had to replace him because that's what it was. Drugs yep. a huge, <laughs> yeah. huge issue in in certain countries. So yeah, interesting. All right, uh, and then DJ Ramos about uh, this particular article says uh, this guy is from my neck of the woods. Fuck that guy. The whole Elliot Gindy drama goes very deep. That's all I will say. All right. Well, uh, another chat that said uh, was said earlier in chat was uh, SG100 Matt saying it all comes back to Theatrhythm. And it sure does, because guess what I have for the last story tonight? Theatrhythm rumors, but with with substance to it, because it's uh, a quote that was said. Um, there's some press interviews going on with producer Ichiro Hazama and director Masanobu Suzui, uh, who are promoting Theatrhythm in the various gaming press right now. Uh, but they are taking questions about what could be in the future for the series. 
And the team has actually said they'd love to work with franchises like Mario, The Legend of Zelda, Fire Emblem, and Pokemon. The developers would like to work with Nintendo on the installment, and there's certainly the music there to do it. I mean, all they would have to do is like a Theatrhythm Super Smash Brothers, because I think about like how Super Smash Brothers has the players in it, that the audio players that have a very rich Nintendo soundtrack in them. So to this entire story, I really just say, please. What I thought was interesting is that in a comment to this story on Go Nintendo, I thought this was an interesting take on it, a comment. I, I, and here, I don't usually read the comments, but here is like the one time in internet history where I found the comment interesting. And the user said, as neat as the Square Nintendo crossover rhythm game can be, Nintendo can just revive elite, revive elite beat agents or make a spinoff of EBA that focuses on Nintendo music only. Like you can play along to a Mario theme and in the background there could be a mini story of Mario rescuing Peach from Browser again. And et cetera, et cetera. So basically this commenter is saying, you know, Nintendo could just kind of take the idea and make it their own because it wasn't that dissimilar in the first place from what Elite Beat Agents was. I thought that was an interesting take on it. Um, they can have the art style be like Paper Mario. Yeah. Um, Mike Defton chat says, give me pokey rhythm, please. You know, what's interesting. Um, if I recall, right. Was it, I don't think it was the Pokemon company, but it was, maybe it was the Pokemon company. There was that game Harmonite that was made by the people that make Pokemon. It was a very different type of game, but that was on the 3DS. Um, it hadn't, I mean, it was removed from Pokemon. I didn't actually have the music in it or anything, but it was like a music game. It's just something that comes to mind when you kind of bring up the pokey rhythm. So is that Harmonite uh, was a thing. So uh, Dartusia says, I definitely do the Zelda course first. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Crypt of the Necrodancer is a thing. So it's not like Nintendo is closed off to letting other companies uh, have their IPs in interesting ways. So that could be very interesting. Uh, Jason says, Theatrhythm is the intro read and the last story. LOL. The way it ought to be, TBH. Oh, and Deft confirms Harmonite did have Pokemon music in it. Oh, I stand corrected. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's get to the listener roundtable. We invite your participation every week via chat. If you have a question for us in chat, via Discord, which you can uh, join our Discord over at vognetwork.com slash Discord. Um, and our email bag. So you can go to participate at orangelaundradio.com if you want to send us an email, which someone finally did this week. Let's get to the email because it's going to be an interesting one. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. So let's All get right. this is a topic. Well, I, I'll I'll say my thoughts once Jamie's read it. And I'm permitting this one because of the nature of the discussion that it will provoke. So. Hello, OLR. After w witnessing some fallout yesterday from a Final Fantasy XIV uh, streamer trying out Hogwarts Legacy, I wanted to ask you all how you feel about the situation where anyone who streams the game gets a swarm of people harassing them over it. First off, I 100% support those who refuse to purchase the game or watch any content from it. Uh, she who will not be named is a scummy individual, to put it lightly. <clears throat> now it seems that anyone who has any... Uh, Harry Potter fondness or plays this game is immediately labeled as hateful, a bigot, or transphobic. I grew up reading slash watching Harry Potter and have been curious about the game, haven't bought it, but as someone who was the victim of harassment to the point of where I almost made an irreversible decision, it's really hard for me to stand by and say that this retaliation is okay. 
Trans people from around the world have had to endure harassment their entire lives. I understand that, but this isn't. But, uh, but this isn't right to fight hate with hate and risk what uh, that we lose others. I know Jamie said that she didn't want to cover anything Hogwarts less uh, legacy related on the show. So if you choose to bypass this email, I understand. I just wanted to express my concerns in the only way I can, and that Twitter sure as shit isn't going to allow. Uh, love you guys, Garth Wolf. Yeah, um, I've thought long and hard about this one, um, because <clears throat> I only have one friend, one person that I have retained fellowship of, who is playing this game, and the biggest thing that I see is that. Well, first of all, I've been seeing a lot of just really terrible, um, I would say conservative people using this game to express their anti-trans sentiment. I am including that particular voice actor who, um, while I love his voice and I love a certain character that he voiced, he is a piece of shit human. And he is friends with the other piece of shit human. Um, I loved the franchise. It came out at a really difficult time in my life. I I actually still have my books. I'm sorry, I imported my, my books. And I spent a lot of money on them. And I'm not one to throw away literature or anything, really, if I spent money on it. Because the money was already spent before I knew anything. That being said, I am not buying the game. I haven't bought any. The very last thing I ever bought was a Slytherin mug, like, years ago. And that's the last time I've bought anything. Um, But it doesn't mean that I don't love the stories that were told. I don't love the characters. I mean, I'm going to say it. She's a great author. She wrote really good stuff. And... And there are lots of parallels that people have seen that links back to their own experience as a marginalized or misunderstood person, you know. But then when you go and you see the motivation that this person has and how a lot of this has been sneaking into her later work on top of it, it just, it's completely soured it for me. It doesn't mean that I don't, you know love and identify with the stories and characters but it it also means that there's a part of it that's been very tarnished for me um and the only way that you know a person in my position can really do something about it is to number one speak out and number two vote with my dollars um i i still won't go to universal i won't go to the nintendo thing at universal because it's contributing money back to her franchise. Because I'm sure, as we know, that when you pay for a franchising, you're um, you're paying like a flat rate to maintain that license. I didn't mean franchising; I meant licensing. Um, so it's not like I think she's getting like active royalties every time a ticket is sold. I think she's already been paid, and she's going to get paid again. So, <clears throat> going back to this, um. As far as the harassment side of everything goes, there's a fair point that Garth made that our trans friends 
have been living with this sort of hateful discrimination their entire lives. And I'm even throwing in the internalized transphobia that society has inflicted upon them and taught them that how they feel is wrong, that you're just confused or, you know, and anything for anyone on the queer spectrum, you know, um, um, I've had it as an ace person. I know we've, we've all experienced this sense about ourselves when something doesn't conform to the default of, you know, what our current society has inflicted upon us. Um, but as far as going in to going into someone else's chat room while they're streaming the game and being nasty and being abusive, I have learned, if anything, this is just going to make somebody double down more and it's going to close them off from a willingness to be educated about it. Um, I prefer that if, especially if it's a friend of mine, you know, like, like this particular friend, I happened to be in DBD chat when the discussion came up and I, I flat out said, I love you. I will not watch when you play this game. I will not give any revenue, any, you know, I, I, I have Twitch turbos besides the point, but so I wouldn't, you know, watch any ads during that time. I would not participate in the stream. I would actively not participate. And she's like, I get it. And she's like, I get why people are, are acting this way while people, you know, feel this about the game. I don't know that, that this person hundred percent understands that point of view. Um, and I've tried to be as gently educational about it as I can. But I also feel that in this, the way things are, and this is not just dealing with our trans friends or LGBTQIA plus issues or, um, or you know, even issues of, of race, you know, people of color having to explain why something is considered racist or something like that that you also have to have a willingness to go out and be educated. You, you know, you can't put the burden of education on somebody who is in that group. You know, you shouldn't make them do the emotional labor of having to be the one to educate you. I guarantee you if you talk to any person of color in this universe, they're going to tell you it's exhausting having to explain and defend themselves, their existence, because of other people's willful ignorance, and that they want them to explain it to them rather than this person giving enough of a shit to go out and look for the answer themselves. And that's how I feel about people streaming the game who claim to be an ally and still don't understand when you explain it to them. It's... It's... Do <sighs> you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, no, I'm just letting you have your space. Um, yeah. I, um, I <coughs> I'm really trying to 
be succinct about it. <laughs> I do not think we should go in and harass other people. TLDR, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that you can take your friend aside and you can explain to them and you can give them resources and let them educate themselves. And pay attention to the things that they say about it. Are they repeating what other people have said? Do they have their own reasons for it? Um, are they doing it from a place of hate? You know? I, I even look at this for a lot of people who claim allyship but are still playing the game that it's it's like one of those, as they quote, microtransgressions. That they don't realize the harm that they're doing, and they're not doing it in a spirit of ill will, but they do not understand. And in some cases, there's people who are not capable of understanding that experience. They don't live it. I tried to, I tell my mother regularly, you know, like when I was talking about, like, I forgot what I was talking about, but my mom said, well, I've never had that happen. I was like, you are not other people. Just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it hasn't happened to other people. Right. Your experiences are yours. Their experiences are theirs. And I think that you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to really be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to be wrong in something that you hold as an intrinsic core belief. You have to be willing to be hurt by it. To grow as a person, to be educated and learn why what you're doing has a greater impact than just having fun with a video game. Because I can guarantee you, a few of my, my trans friends that I've spoken to on this one have lost friendships over this game. Because, and I will paraphrase, my friend is saying, your friendship with me to you is not more important than this game. This game is more important to you than I am as a person. So. Um, that's my, my piece for now. I'm going to eat some pizza. No, you're fine. I'm going to be honest. When I originally saw the email, I didn't want to talk about it because I, I feel like I don't want to give that game any more attention. This game has already gotten way too much attention. This boycott has absolutely positively completely backfired. And if you don't like me for saying that, too fucking bad. The proof is in the numbers. It's selling like wild. It's the number one watched game on Twitch. And I would say the boycott has only fanned the flames of that whole thing. Let me be clear. My own viewpoint on Hogwarts Legacy, I'm treating it like a sports game. I don't like there. There can be a great video game out there. I don't fucking care to play it. And I don't fucking care to play it because of the shit that's come out of her mouth. And I've been disconnected from this universe for quite some time. I think I've seen a couple of the movies, but like, that's it. On the, so, so yeah, I, I understand why, why people are upset and why, you know, th this game and so forth. That being said, I also understand that hurt people hurt people. And I understand why some of this is getting very ugly because like it was said in the, in the email, trans people have had to put up with a lot of bullshit over the years. And so, yeah, when feelings get hurt, sometimes that turns around into hurting other people. But that being said, and I think Jamie really already touched on a lot of this. I'm really just echoing a lot of what you just said. You don't know somebody else's backstory. You don't know what they might be capable of when it comes to separating 
Harry Potter as a you know fictional universe from the creator. And what I mean by that is when you go in, and I'm not I'm saying you, but I'm just saying you know, not not you the lister, but you the bully out there that probably isn't listening. When the bully goes into somebody's chat deciding I'm going to bully this person for playing this game, have you ever thought that maybe the person that's playing the game is playing the game because Harry Potter was something that they read to when they were trying to escape an abusive family situation? When mom and dad were fighting in the other room and there were physical exchanges happening? And somebody went in to lock themselves in their bedroom and read Harry Potter because that was their escape. You don't know if that's somebody else's story. And so the answer is to bully that individual into coming over to your side. I'm sorry, that's absolutely not going to work. You're going to cause them to double down and dig their heels in and you're going to make the problem worse, which is what has happened in this case. And the, the saying holds true. You catch more more flies with uh with honey than yeah. vinegar. Yeah, and but I'm I'm sick of you know. The, unfortunately, when I see these perspectives presented about we should educate and we should do these different things, that is usually met with well, you're privileged and you're you're in a privileged position to be able to do that. But you can also both things can be true. I could recognize, yes, I'm in a privileged position, but I can also recognize, but guess what? This tactic you're using over here isn't working, and you're going to be able to win more people to your side if you educate people, and that is what I do. When people say they're going to stream Hogwarts Legacy, I say, great, I'm not going to be watching. I have no interest in that game. That woman turned me off to that game several years ago and that entire universe. I have no interest in that franchise. There are 20 other games that came out this month that we ought to be talking about. And and we're I still mean, talking about this. And the other thing too, you know, we were bringing up privilege and I was bringing up putting the the uh emotional um labor on the quote afflicted party. We who were in a privileged position to be an ally who have you know at least the semblance of, of of fitting into some accepted stereotype, we can use our privilege. And it's encouraged, I think, for us to do so, to offer that point more in the way of pointing to resources put out by people in the marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. For example, and even me as an autistic person, I have submitted many things to my corporate work that's actually had our training changed. Like for an example, they were all like doing that, that person first. So person with autism, when the majority of us don't go by that, we go by autistic person and find the other thing insulting. And now the material says, ask what someone prefers. And, but I think that also as I am not a psychologist, I mean, I have a lot of interest in psychology, and I've learned quite a bit about it. Um, but I'm not a psychologist, and I can't tell you that this is the true effect of someone's mindset or their neurology or whatnot. Just like, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the sociology uh, courses, but I'm not a sociologist. I don't know how it affects society in this point, for example. You have to, be, you have to know resources that you can direct people to. Because 
you cannot expect the person in the group to continue to provide that emotional labor and consistent, I would even say, reopening of wounds by having to speak about it ad nauseum. It's up to us to be a good ally for the groups, the marginalized groups that we do are not an active part of, and provide the material yeah. that has been approved, that has been called good, you know, the same way I say, do not refer people to Autism Speaks. They are a hate group. ASAN is a lot better. You know, the same thing. We have to learn those resources from the people that are in the groups to find out what's accepted and what really puts the point across. And we have to make sure that we put this information out there. Right. Um, and be willing to speak up when we see injustice done. Quiet Silence is complicity is exactly how I see it. And indirect participation is also an act of complicity. So I choose not to be complicit in the things that are antithesis to my belief system. And I believe that a transgender woman is a woman. I believe a transgender man is a man. I believe that a non-binary person is legitimately non-binary no matter what's in their knickers. Yes, I used a very southern word for underwear. <clears throat> um, I I think that people who get their panties all in a bunch over other people just wanting the same rights as other people. Honestly enough, I would like to see their roles reversed. I yeah. would love. I mean, and it's it's, you know. Literature has tried to do this before. Like, for example, there was an old Superman comic where Lois Lane was black for a day. It, very controversial. But there are some times where I desperately wish that I could take a bigot and have them live a day in the life of one of the people they hate. And see what they're standing against and how ridiculously dangerous it is i think for me too the thing that is if i can point my finger at what upsets me most about jay karen rowling and her viewpoints um obviously i i find her viewpoints gross but what really let's just call like, her karen what really sealed it for me was the fact that one of the pro lgbt uh agencies i want to say it was p flag but it might be wrong it might be a different um at glad it might be it might be a different advocacy organization um they offered to talk to her sit her down one-on-one -on -one, educate her in a um respectful environment and let her know why her words are hurtful she turned them down and that's where i have the problem is that somebody who refuses to be educated and refuses to even listen that's a problem um, I, I kind of go back to some things I said on the show a couple weeks ago, and that is, I think it was the week you weren't here, Jamie, though, actually, but it was, fuck you, you fucking fuck has never won an argument, never ever in the history of ever has that won an argument. I quite frankly, some of this bullying and this stuff that's happening, I find it to be quite performative. I'm just going to say it. It's a performance. It's, I, I think a lot of it comes from a place where somebody, instead of doing actual hard work to educate, they want to do a performance to show everybody, look, I'm such an ally. I'm going to bully these people into submission. I'm sorry. 
that's disgusting. Wake up. That reminds me, actually, of a former mutual friend of both of ours. Yeah, I know. I know. But... but- but it really is performative. It is. And the, the part that gets me, and this all comes back to the whole, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And I know some people don't want to apply that to this argument. I'm sorry. There's too many people that want to say, oh, well, it's not this because of this. It's not, you know, I'm sorry. You don't get to draw the fucking borders just so that it works for you. And my case and point is the Twitter bullying What Mm. the actual fuck are you doing, you fucking hypocrite? And the the excuses I have seen people use. Oh, well, Twitter is a public forum, so it's different, and we owe it to ourselves to be here to... What? Twitter is not a public forum, and it is not a publicly traded company. It is not... that There is... It is a private forum owned by one person who wants it to be the town square, but I ask you, do his actions that shove his tweets in your face, whether you want to or not, unless you blocked his ass, is that representative of what the town square ought to look like? By the way, a same individual who wrote a tweet that said, and I quote, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci. You will turn a blind eye to that to use that person's platform that generates those ad dollars to yell at your streamer that is streaming Hogwarts Legacy. Now, I again, I don't want to make it sound like this whole like, no, it is you who are the bully and this whole thing. I'm not saying that I love the fact that this game is getting all this attention and that, you know, people are streaming it. Again, I'm not going to watch it. But at the same time, you do using Twitter to yell at those people like that makes you look like a stupid ass. And meanwhile, folks, guess what else is happening in the world? Drag queen, anti-drag queen library reading laws are being passed. Anti-trans bills are being passed. Did you know there's another bill that's going on? I, th- I want to say it's like Tennessee, Kentucky, probably both, oh, honestly, that is trying to mirror what's going on in Florida. No, it's Indiana's the one that, me- that mirrors Florida. While you're all arguing about is it ethical to play a video game on my Nintendo Switch when Nintendo is 8% owned by a Saudi company now that by the the way we know how you know that culture feels about lgbt rights mm. while we argue those ethics actual fucking <laughs> anti-laws are being passed and what have you done from your twitter account to stop this from happening nothing you and- are useless with this bullying stop it and even on top of that, like, I agree that for people who can't get out and do something, then helping to disseminate correct information via social media is perfectly valid. But to do nothing but rant without putting forward any sort of factual evidence, I mean, it's inherently a fallacious argument. You're just being an ass, like you said. Um And I think that all of us who profess our allyship need to do something. I mean, everything is going to have a degree of performance to it. That's just how our world is, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Even for the people who are just flat out saying, we're not, you know, I'm not going to play this game and put it out publicly. You know, 
that's a little performative. I'll, I'll grant it. And I think in some cases there is a benefit to certain performative actions because it will bring attention to the thought or make someone who would otherwise have not seen that point of view look at it. But you have to back up the the optics with that with the true action that goes behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if you are say say that you don't have money to to donate and you are physically incapable of going out and protesting, you can write a letter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you can uh, Make a highlight phone call charities. Or five. Yeah, you can highlight charities. You know, for for you know you like me i can't donate to every charity that i want to as much as i want to you can but as a streamer i can run a charity you can uplift trans and non-binary streamers because guess what when you go to hate watch another streamer (gasps) that's playing hogwarts legacy you're still watching and you're helping them to meet their partner metrics and you're helping to meet their affiliate metrics you really are you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So why every, don't you take your view and give it to somebody else more deserving? Every action is going to have an effect no matter what. I mean, think of like that butterfly effect thing, if you will. You know, any little thing that you do is going to have an outcome. You deciding to take a breath could result in maybe a coughing fit because you're like me and you're still congested. or it it's the breath you need to take before darting away from someone trying to kill you, you know? It's it's all situational. And I think that you need to really look at the big picture. You need to think of how this action that I am doing right now, what is it going to cascade into? What Because honestly, now the game getting all of this attention is because you, people did not think about what the fuck you were doing. Think before you act and do not react act there is a difference between acting and reacting do not let an else another stimulus determine what you are going to do without looking at all sides of the thing that's why i get so honestly that's partly why i left facebook because it's such a fucking echo chamber mm-hmm. and you need to be willing also to step outside of the damn echo chamber and look at another point of view. Fuck. If you are a diehard socialist like me, read Fox News. See what the other side is saying. Read the conservative media. See what the other side is saying. Yeah. It's look enlightening. objectively at your own beliefs. Be critical of them. Be critical of what they're doing. Because you are not going to grow without challenge. And all of these people out there who are going and yelling at people, you know, that that's not challenging the other person. That's going to lock them down. And you certainly are not challenging yourself to be better. You are not an ally by performing this action. Ugh. All right. Well, uh, a lot of folks in chat are being thankful for the discussion tonight. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad we had it, I guess, even though I didn't really want to in the beginning, I feel like, okay, we've, we've had the therapy, we've aired it out. But let me be very clear. This all being said, fuck this game. I'm over it. I don't ever want to talk about this game again. There are fuck the game, fuck her, fuck everybody. There are, there are many other things that are worthy of your attention. 
By the way, I just want to point out the Trans Witches Are Witches bundle on itch.io is only about $11,000 short of its goal. Uh, and I'm not sure when the deadline is, oh, till the 24th. So you only have about five more days. So if you want to, maybe these are 69 nice games I'd rather be talking about right now. I would rather talk about literally any one of these games than the one that won't go away. I like what you said in, by the way, real quick in our text message earlier, Mm. Because, I mean, I think I might have surprised you by saying I thought that it was really thoughtful email and would provoke a good discussion. So I say we do it. And you said, all right. <laughs> I know. I was like, Ugh. yeah. But um, but I like what you said that you treat it as a Madden game. You're yeah. not interested in it because of her words. That's right. That That is what it is to me. The Madden games, they sell a ton. Some people find them to be great games. Cool. I'm still not interested. And... But- that's but at least the thing is, I mean, I could come up with other problems about the NFL, but I just maybe it's a different type of thing. I'm just not interested in sports at the end of the day, whereas, you know, in this one, it's her viewpoints have, have uh, tarnished the pool or whatever you want to, you know, shit the bed, whatever analogy you want to use. But it's it's like the same thing. That's how I view it as a video game. I just I, I there's other games to play. There are lots and lots of other games to play. And and I think that as you and I discussed a little bit earlier, you saw where I was coming from with needing to discuss it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that we did because we have been quiet on it. But I feel honestly enough that as I mean, at least you and I being under the quilt bag, you know, mm-hmm. and being and all of us being allies to our trans friends, we we have almost a responsibility to at least say something about it. And I'm glad that we did this. Garth, I absolutely appreciate your email. You are the MVP of this of this month. And I'm glad that we got it out. I actually feel better for getting this out. <laughs> and I don't mind going back to not drawing any more attention to it. But I do think that as as allies and as, you know, part of the quilt bag, that we have a responsibility to say something. And I'm glad we did. And if nothing else, let the the um, failure of this boycott campaign be a lesson. Because there's going to be other video games in the future that you're going to have some opinions about. And well, your actions may actually have the opposite effect of what you're aiming for. Just just act and don't react. Mm-hmm. Think ahead. Educate. Look around corners. Educate. And that, if, that- if somebody doesn't want to be educated then that tells you all you need to know about your relationship with that person. But definitely learn how to look around the corner. Anticipate and act accordingly. All right. Can you believe there's no one waiting to call in tonight? (laughs) I want to talk to people now. Loki, are you alive? (laughs) I'm here. I'm I'm going to be late playing my Dead by Daylight, but this is worth it. I want people to call in. Call in because I said so. No, no. I'm going to actually say if nobody is waiting at this point, we're 15 minutes till 9 o'clock and midnight on the East Coast. I I would like to go ahead and, and move to start to wrap up tonight. Um, but if you do have an email for a future week, participate at orangelaundry.com is a great place to send it. I do want to check in real quick with Loki as well and see if there's any final thoughts or not final thoughts. I'm sorry. Final uh, last minute stories. I have one too. Uh, there wasn't too much. It was basically that the uh, 
pre-order bonus art book for um was it Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom has leaked out early, so people are getting to look at some of the artwork and stuff from the game that hasn't been shown yet. I don't really know what spoilers it necessarily is. It, it doesn't really have everything, but yeah, looks like Zelda. So, although Toon Link is in there, so I guess that's somewhat of a spoiler. I don't really know what purpose that serves, but they have an image of Toon Link with the arm thing, just like um, Link has in Tears of the Kingdom. So. Um, could be something with the amiibo, but I wouldn't read too much into it. It could also just be like promo stuff or concept art. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I have a story. Yeah, please. Um uh Insight Um Editions announced that they are publishing an Amy Rose fortune telling card set. Uh based on the ones that were seen in Sonic Origins. And also from the IDW uh car- uh uh comic series. And they're going to be available um, in October uh, from uh, at Barnes and from uh, Barnes and Noble and other online things, and it'll be twenty five bucks. Hmm. The cards are really freaking pretty, like really well done. There's like chaos fruit and chaos emeralds and all kinds of stuff. It looks beautiful. Sorry, I just I just looked at chat. I know I usually don't mention these till after the show, but since we're wrapping down here, I noticed during that last discussion, y'all got us to a level three hype train. That's um, that's really incredible. Thank you so much. Thanks for being a cool community. I mean, y'all been really cool in chat with your comments and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's it's a nice refreshing change of pace from sometimes what I see on the rest hey, of. Hey, guess what? The internet. What's that? Level level. Uh, oh, we've already finished. I I tried to bump us to level four. Oh, oh well. don't. Oh well. That's all right. Um, okay, uh, with that, let's wrap up. Uh, it's been a it's been a good show tonight, um, but it's going to have to last you for two weeks. We will not be here next week. Don't forget, and that's all my fault, and I am not sorry about it. <laughs> Jeez, Rab. <laughs> but Jamie will still be streaming. Our pal Bobby Blackwolf will be here uh, bef- uh, with his uh, usual show at eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific here at Vogue Network. So you have plenty to watch. Just, you know, just a, a week off otherwise. Uh, those of you that have a three-day weekend this weekend, I hope you have a nice long weekend. And plus, this is one of those weekends where I don't have to be like, remember why the holiday exists. Like, it's President's Day. All right, cool. Sales, you know? <laughs> like, it's 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 whatever. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to do it for this uh, week of Orange Launch Radio. If you enjoyed what you heard here, if you want to join our awesome community, please do. We're here live on uh, Sunday night's over at Vogue Network. But of course, you can join us on Discord to chat throughout the week. We still love our podcast family as well. Always, you can email us. You could tweet us at OLR, although I think I've made my issues with Twitter clearer, but I'm try- I'm lazily keeping an eye on it. Um, <laughs> not like I used to, though. Let me say that. Um, and uh, yeah, all that stuff. So um, tell a friend or two about the show. Help us spread the word because we are the show where every giver has a voice, but we need more voices here to put out on air. A nice five-star review on a site wherever you found this show, whether it was iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, podcast, whatever it was. Hit that five-star button. If it has a review option, say they're cool and leave a nice review. That would be great. Uh, with that, let's get to final thoughts. Dark Sakura, you're going to do all this and stream. So give us your final thought tonight. I'm, uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to do a killer only or play some survivor. So if anyone wants to swift with me, you know where my chat is. All right. Have a good night, Jamie. We'll see you next two weeks.
See you then. Don't right. drown. I won't. <laughs> All right. Loki, your final thought for tonight. Uh, my final thought is that I need to work faster at my Minecraft stuff. I think you're on to something with maybe taking on smaller builds. I know you. And you I like to, know, you like but to take I can't. on the big projects. You're like, my I first can't. game is going to be Pixel Poops number two. I'm not going to build a clone of Solitaire. I'm going to just end. But hey, you know what? You, you get it done one way or the other because you got that Pixel Poops games done, and yeah. which just celebrated a year, if I'm not mistaken. And two years. Two years. Oh, how appropriate. Number two. Uh, and uh, of course, your YouTubes are great. And, uh, People will, people have got to find him eventually. So here's hoping. Um, my final thought, uh, I'll be streaming more theater than this week. Probably not tonight, uh, but, uh, tomorrow, Monday, and then probably a little bit Tuesday, a little bit Wednesday, and then I'll be on streaming vacation for a week. Uh, and then by the time I get back, God, we're almost going to be into the Diablo four beta, uh, which we didn't even talk about tonight, but the open beta is going to be happening there. Uh, and so forth. So uh, there's there's just a lot of stuff. Like I was looking at the stuff I want to stream this year. There is so much. But um, yeah, streaming is is up and up. It's fun. Thank you for being here with us tonight as we're doing streaming and streaming this show. I hope you all have a great week. If nothing else from tonight's discussion, like treat each other with some decency. Educate. I don't know what else to say here at the end of the show. We hope to educate you a little more in two more weeks on what's going on in the gaming industry. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Take care of each other. You've been listening to Orange Lounge Radio. Orange Lounge Radio is a production of OLR Studios. To join us for our live show, tune in to vognetwork.com Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff of Orange Lounge Radio nor Vogue Network, but you know they were all still true.